Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Kingdom of Honor. And I'm very sorry about the dial pad on Skype did not feel like syncing up with Blog Talk Radio. So I apologize for the delay. I apologize for no theme music. Just adding Jeff now. And uh, Jeff, fuck me. (laughs) Serious. Not you personally, but I mean... I would, yeah, I was going to say I'd prefer not to. Yeah, yeah. I would prefer you don't either, but... Um, so I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you and I were supposed to talk, be, talk um, off air before the show started, and I was trying for the last, what, 36 minutes to get on to uh, Block Talk's server. So wow. perfect, just a, just a perfect night. I mean, we've had some technical difficulties, but this is, I think, the second worst we've ever had. So... Well, I think the worst might have been the completely lost show that we had. That's why I said this one's the second worst, yeah. Oh, fair enough, yeah. See, I'm already not listening to you. And I'm already not shocked by that. (laughs) Anyway. I even got a text from my wife. Are you guys having technical difficulties? Because I'm getting nothing. Yes, honey, we're having technical difficulties because Skype decided they wanted to suck tonight. So, but, I, but I figured out how to get it working, so I think that next time around I will just try doing what I did tonight instead of messing with that fucking on-screen dial pad. So. Yeah, that might be a good idea. Yeah, because that, that, that way it worked the third time I tried, whether, rather than trying ten times and wanting to throw um, – I don't know, something through a window. Not my dogs, that's for sure. Not my computer, that's for sure. So Remind me to remind you that that's a good idea. Throwing my dogs through a window? No, dial pad. Good, because otherwise you'd be a dick. Well, I mean, serious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're both dicks as it is, you know. So. so, where are we starting tonight? At the beginning, duh. Now that you've melted down and had your little fun. Yeah, none of this, none of this shit has been fun, dude. I think, um, I think one thing I do want to say is that I, um, if you go to hashtag Kingdom of Honor, just search hashtag Kingdom of Honor, you'll find all of my uh, lists. Tonight is our, uh, what, what are we going to call it, urine review, award show? Urine review is the way I phrased it on uh, the sites that we posted on. So. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we got our top top five in a bunch of different categories. And today I was bored. So I uh, posted all mine. Um, Shane's going to go, we're going to go over Shane's and mine. And then we're going to come up with hopefully uh, a list we can agree on. Yeah. We'll, we'll try. And I hope you have a pen handy because I don't write anything down. Um, no, I don't do pens. All right. Well, hopefully we'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can—I mean, I can grab a pen, but I'll, that'll leave you babbling by yourself for a minute. No, well, don't do that. I get scared. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, especially tonight, because it'd be, you know, out of uh, commission, you know, at some point. That, that never happens, though, right? No, never. All right, so I'm grabbing—I'm grabbing a pen as I as I talk to you. Oh, and honey, I just—I just found a black sharpie that we could have used last night. <laughs> well, I didn't know we were looking for a black sharpie. Well, I don't usually call you honey either, so obviously I was not talking to you. I'm assuming my wife is, is actually listening to us now. Which is why I was a little concerned. Okay. Fair enough. I'm concerned about you too, but we didn't get a chance to talk about that. So, right. Anyway. Exactly. All right. So. You know who's not concerned? Susan's not concerned. 
Well, then that makes me feel better. All right, good. Because I, I know that I know that she was planning on something with you guys, and and if and if that if it's if she's okay with it, then I guess I'll, I'll have to be okay with it. So. I didn't know she was planning on something with us. I know she, I know you didn't know that. Why does nobody tell me these things? Well, it happened when what happened um, the last time that I was concerned about you about the same type of thing. So that she that she mentioned it to me. Oh. So you guys you guys weren't even officially a couple at that point. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It was later that weekend. So, so anyway, um, yeah, where, where do we want to start tonight? We're doing the year in review, but do you have you any know, particular category you want to start with? Or? I was looking over the year in review, and I think the one that we're going to talk the least amount about, mm-hmm. and the one that I think bores me the most is show of the year. <laughs> okay. So we might as well start there and get that one out of the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm just grabbing a notebook as, I, as I'm... Uh, as I'm listening to you and talking, so um, why don't you go ahead and why don't you start with with your list? Um, let's go. Through, to... Let's start with number five, I suppose. Well, do we want to go five and five? You know, we should have actually done some like show prep and talked about this off the air. No, because we wanted to be surprised with each other's list. Because I didn't, I didn't read any no, of your not, Twitter stuff and not that the whole demographic stuff, of how we're going to do this and well, maybe we, well, and... well, maybe we could have done that if my fucking computer had decided it wanted to work tonight. So it's not like we don't see each other seventy-five times during the week. <laughs> we can spend three and a half minutes talking about the show ahead of time. Well, that's a fair point, but I was busy with training today, so I really couldn't talk to you about it. So I did notice that you were gone. Yeah. One thing. One thing I do I, want to yeah, say. Yeah, and yeah, I know you missed me. I could tell. I had a um, revelation last night as I was watching, binge watching uh, matches of the year, trying to narrow my list down, and kind of pisses me off because I had my list completely narrowed down, mm-hmm. had my top five matches of the year, mm-hmm. and then I started watching some NXT. Always a mistake. <laughs> no, just kidding. Which. I, I'm I'm not gonna. I know we've been really down on WWE, and it, it, we've always kind of kept it in perspective that it's always been the main roster. The main right. roster is where you know good talent goes to die. Um, right. You know, unless you're the cream of the crop, you don't get any spotlight, and even the spotlight you get as a as a top tier talent is really really limited. Um, well, let's wait, wait wait before you go further. Let's quantify what you just said. Um, the cream of the crop, meaning the guys WWE wants to push, not necessarily who the actual best wrestlers and best right, talkers and best overall package are. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like you had a guy like, um, oh, I can't even remember his name anymore, Prince Pretty. Tyler, uh, no. Tyler. Is it Tyler? It is Tyler, isn't it? Tyler Breeze. It, Tyler Breeze, yeah. Who? There was a time when I was comparing him to a young uh, Shawn Michaels. And he literally went up to the main roster and died within three matches. But he has his own show on WWE Network now. It doesn't matter. He's not anywhere near where he should be. But regardless, I mean, that's just, that's just the way the WWE pushes things. And even you get the top elite talent like uh, Shinsuke and AJ who are at the top of the card and their storylines and the way the WWE does their everything just – wrecks them, ruins them, completely destroys what good they have. So, but regardless, I was watching NXT and I was starting to enjoy it. I mean, I watched four episodes last night and really enjoyed what I saw and I kind of got sucked back into some of the storylines and things. 
And uh, one oh, of the matches. Oh, and you said you watched four episodes. I thought you were talking about AWA earlier. I'm sorry. Go well, I, I, I watched two episodes of AWA, and I was like, you know what? I got to get another one of these best of matches. So I went to watch the Gargano uh, Champa match again from uh-huh. Orleans. And oh, God. I, so good. So good. And I got done watching that, and I was like, oh. And that, and that was my, that was in my top five. That was my number five. I was like, no, there's no way that anything's going to beat this. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I got some time. I'll just watch some NX. I'll just watch some of the, the newer episodes from where we left off. And I'm watching them and one match just grabbed me and didn't let go. And I'm, I, I'm not kidding you. I'm sucked back into NX. Oh, of course there was. That was a good damn match. <sighs> a good damn match. What'd you do? Break something already? Did we lose Shane? <laughs> Shane, you there? <laughs> Are you there? Hello? Shane? I think we lost Shane. Yep, I'm pretty sure we lost Shane. Shane? Well, this is fun, guys, tonight. Another uh, technical glitch as we as somehow we lost the network. So I'm adding Jeff back in right now, and he was talking about NXT, so we'll have him finish his thoughts. Back on any second here, since uh, apparently the uh, radio guys don't want to listen to us tonight. So. I think I'm going to. I'm going to ask Santa for a computer for you. I just got a new computer, dude. (laughs) I'm asking Santa for a new version of Skype for you, then. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, sadly we lost connection this time, so I'm not sure, you know, where we lost connection. But you and I were still connected. It looks like that. uh, It showed that you were still on the chat with me, but it did show. It did not show Blog Talk on there. So I think Blog Talk dropped off this time. All I know is all I kept hearing, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. So you could hear me? Yeah, I could hear you fine. Yeah, see, and I couldn't hear you anymore. So. Oh, well. It was, that was weird. It's not like All right, so much. Anyway, you were, you were talking about NXT. And it just, I got sucked back in. I mean, I, I enjoyed the four episodes I watched last night immensely, and I, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I suppose we'll have to go back and watch War Games at some point then. Yeah, <sighs> I'm a little ways away from that, though, because we even, the, we... even though it's fake war games. I mean, we punched out on that in, what, August? I think I'm caught up through September now. No, we were watching... We, we, were, we didn't even start the show till September, so it had to be past then. Oh, yeah, you're right. All right, so show of the year. You think, you think it's going to be boring. So what is your number five show of the year? I have Wrestle Kingdom 12. As your number five show of the year? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to straight up say this with the exception of my top 5 wrestlers of the year and my matches of the year. Some of these are interchangeable. Like my first and second in most categories are first and second by far first and second. After that it kind of drops off a little bit the quality does, so it, it just kind of jumbles in and 3, 4 and 5 especially in this category are kind of interchangeable. 
I mean, there were parts I liked about all of them, and there were parts that I didn't like. So it it was hard for me to say this one was better than the other. So if I could have just done like a 3-3-3-way tie for third, I would have done that. But since you're making me put a number to it, Wrestle Kingdom, alphabetically, was the least. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could have done... You could have just had three tied to three. I wouldn't have cared. Well, that's Uh, pretty much what these three are because they all had... They all had missteps. None of them were a perfect show. Um, they all had missteps. They all had some greatness in them. But they also had what I felt was some just bad spots. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually almost there with you. I had Wrestle Kingdom as my number four show of the year. Oh, okay. So we weren't that far off. No, we weren't. So uh, my number five show of the year is Final Battle. I thought Final Battle was absolutely awesome. Um, but there were parts on there that, you know, that kind of dra- brought it down a bit. Um, as you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as fond of the semi-main as you were. Um, um, or but, the main. You know, uh, oh, no, you know, the, the main. The main, I forgot. Yeah, the main was the latter war. Right. So, um, and of course, I wasn't as, as fond of, uh, even though I liked it, I wasn't as high as you were on, on Taven versus uh, Castle. Castle. And I, and, I I wasn't, and, I, and I wasn't as high on the women's match as you, but but it's, it's still you know it was still a fantastic show, the best Ring of Honor show of the year, and I have it as number five. See, and I agree with you as it being the best Ring of Honor show of the year, but I put it at three, um, just because that was, like I said, three, four, and five were kind of interchangeable for right. me. I thought I think I mean Wrestle Kingdom had some greatness. It had Osprey versus Skrull um, with. Tanahashi and Kushida in that four-way, which was one of the best matches of the year. It had the um, Bucks and Rapungi 3K, which kicked off the year for you know my wrestler of the year, uh, and had it was a phenomenal match. It, you know, one thing I remember tweeting you or uh, texting you right as soon as I was watching that, going, "Did I just see the young Bucks put on a um, psychological match?" Because it was so much different than the spot fest we've become so accustomed to that it just it kicked off the year perfectly. And that being the, the first match opening up Wrestle Kingdom, I had high hopes. And then we hit that uh, never open weight uh, gauntlet match, which was kind of dull. Um, the Ibushi and Cody match I thought was okay, but it seemed like both of them were holding back. I wasn't... As much as I like both KES and, and Evil and Sonata, I thought that match could have been done better. It was just all the way up until Osprey in that four-way match, I, I thought there was a lot of missteps there. Gotcha. And then after okay. that, then it hit a high gear, and Tanahashi versus White was great, Omega and Jericho was great. and then No, no Tanahashi versus White was okay. It wasn't great. I thought it was... Good considering we weren't really accustomed to Jay White at that time. He was still kind of a newbie that we didn't know what kind of talent he had, and I was pleasantly surprised by him. Gotcha. Okay, so what's it, what is your number four? My number four is um, Best in the World, Ring of Honor's Best in the World. Oh, interesting. Okay. I had – there was some – again, too, I mean, there were some missteps, obviously. The women's match was terrible. Neither you or I were sold on Flip Gordon and Bully Ray at the time, but when you looked at the and of course we talked about Jay Lethal Kashida about how it just seemed like they had no chemistry at all, but the rest of that card 
the, he had Kingdom against uh, Lij, which was amazing, especially to start off a show. Then you had um, Austin Aries and Kenny King, which I thought was phenomenal. Punishment Martinez and Adam Page, even though the wrong guy won, that was a great match. Uh, Briscoes and Bucks was a great match, and I absolutely loved. In fact, the three-way uh, the three-way match for the title between Castle Cody and Marty Scurll almost made my top ten list uh, for rest, uh, for match of the year. It was in my top fifteen. It didn't quite make the top ten. Yeah, I did. I didn't like a lot of the a lot of that card as much as you. I mean, yeah, there was some great stuff on the card, but I but I wasn't a fan of the, of the Bucks versus. Um, the Briscoes, actually, that was like the one match they've ever had against each other that I I could, didn't care for. Um, I was annoyed about the way they they booked the women in that on that show. So, um, yeah, I didn't end up, that did not end up in my top five. In fact, I didn't even think about that one for my top five. I, it, it's something I I probably left slipped my mind too far for that. Um, Wrestle Kingdom is my number four. Like I said, um, I I largely agree with you, but you know I, I went back and try and watched some of the matches from there. Um, I did. I did rewatch um, the never title match and the intercontinental title. I mean, sorry, the U S title match and the world title match. And well, the U S title match and the world title match were both amazing. were both, you know, excellent. just as, just as awesome as they were the first time around, maybe even better than the first time around the never title match really struggled. And that was like the third best match on that card to me. And so I, I ended up having to drop it down to, uh, to fourth, even though it was still in my top five. Um, and then my number three is Takeover Brooklyn Four, which I think, which I personally, for my money, is probably the best takeover they've had so far. There was not there was not a match below four stars on the card, and I just adore that tag team title match from there. And uh, and also Ricochet versus Adam Cole was just amazing. So I ended up going with that one as my number three uh, show of the year. See, and that had, I mean, I ended up with Final Battle in that last because I just felt like final battle had had hit on a few more than takeover four did. I went back and tried to watch some of it and I just outside of the three uh, main matches, I just couldn't get into it. I mean the, the Champa Gargano match, the uh, um, Adam Cole ricochet, and then that tag team match. I outside of those three, I just couldn't get into any of the matches. Oh, you couldn't get into the women to the women's title match. Cause I no, thought that I just, excellent. The, and that's sad because the first time I watched it, I thought it was phenomenal. And then I was watching again going, what did I like about this? And I'm surprised you didn't like Dream versus uh, EC3 too because they're both your guys. I did, but at the same point, I didn't because I didn't like the story leading up to it. And you know how big of a story guy I am when it comes to matches. Oh, I so, love the story leading up to that one. I, I, the story had some fun spots, but it came off more as comedy than anything. I, I like where Velveteen Dream has gone since that match, where he's become less of a character and more of an actual in-ring talent. But leading up to that match, I felt like he was more of a character-based guy that was just getting a push because he was a character-based guy. Okay. That's fair enough, I suppose. Um so I'm assuming that we're, I'm assuming that our number two and our number one are going to be exactly the same. Oh yeah, obviously Dominion and All In. Yeah, in that I mean, order, those, right? Dominion number yeah. two and All In number one. Yeah, and I mean those were perfect cards. There was no other way around it. They right. were just top to bottom. Dominion, less a little bit less so because Dominion had a couple of tag matches in the beginning that were, 
eh, like the uh, Finn Juice versus Jay White and Yoshihashi didn't really click with me, and I, I still can't get over Michael Elgin winning the never open weight just to lose it three days later. <laughs> um, hey, but, hey, it was like eight days. Give him, give him a little bit of credit. Oh, was it eight whole days? Oh, <laughs> brutal. Just brutal. But it was nice seeing Rey Mysterio in an NJPW ring. It was nice uh, with Tanaha, that Tanahashi or Takahashi. Uh, Osprey match and it, had Takahashi not gotten hurt I can guarantee Takahashi because he was on such a roll at that time he would have been easily in my top five wrestlers of the year if he hadn't gotten hurt so I mean that's a that's a sad thing and that match was just a great match and as much as I hate hour-long matches I, I'm I'm happy that we're not going with the traditional match of the year having the best match of the year be the match of the year. And we're going more with what we, what we enjoyed, what we felt, what we kind of believed in because Omega Okada, that was easily the match of the year, but I just could not, I can't get into an hour long match. I just can't. Interesting. Um, I, cause I, I, wa- I watched it again on no, yesterday. I watched it yesterday afternoon, and I, and I even texted my wife. I said, "I'm, I'm said, I'm gonna be wa- watching a, a wrestling match the next one match for the next seventy minutes or so, because I, because I knew that you know with the entrances and everything, it was gonna be right about right around that time. Plus, I watched some of the aftermath again, and I just absolutely still love it. Um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something you have to set a time time to watch for, like you you wouldn't have to with a lot of other matches this year, but. To me, it's worth that investment, and I, and I just still thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And you know, Dominion, the difference between Dominion and All In is that Dominion was a New Japan card putting together pretty much the best card they could have at that at that time of the year. Whereas All In was not only a super indie card, but the entertainment. That they they roped into it, the nostalgia that they that they put into it, um, just the sheer passion all those performers had, and the emotion that the crowd, the you know the audience watching at home and the wrestlers felt was just palpable. You could you could cut it, it felt like, and and it would it just there was just so much feeling there, and and when they had when it had you know pretty much the same match quality that Dominion did. When you wrap that all together, that's why All In to me is the great. It's not only the show of the year, but the greatest show, wrestling show of all time. It, it wasn't just the fact that it was good wrestling. I mean, like you said, there was so much feeling involved in it, and I think the thing that really grabbed me is from the Daniel Stephen Amell match on through the rest of the card. Every one of those matches could have been a match of the year, or it could have been a match of the night could have stolen the match. I thought Daniels Amell was amazing. That was just a great match considering who was in it, and how good Christopher Daniels carried that match. I loved the the women's match. I was a big fan of the Cody Dick all this match even though you weren't at the time. We loved the Hangman versus Joey Janela. We loved Lethal. Well, I guess Lethal Gordon was kind of a little bit of a misstep, but I still enjoyed it because of the whole story with Flip Gordon trying to get on the card was just fun. And then those last three matches were five stars, all three of them, all three of them. 
Yeah. So, well, I I think I like I like the lethal flip match more than you did because I, I loved the the whole um, kind of retelling of the of Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat and the, and then the way they transitioned that into you know just a match between Flip and, and Jay and this transitioned it back I, with uh and with uh, Brandy playing the role of Miss Elizabeth so I re- I really well, did enjoy that entire match and I like Flip Gordon's little Hulk Hogan callback too. And when he went for the big boot and the elbow drop and or the leg drop and everything, I thought that was a good touch. I, it, to me, I think my biggest problem was it was more nostalgia. But then, after I, I got a better appreciation for it um, afterwards when I went back because at the time we weren't being watching being the elite. And after right. watching being the elite and seeing how bad Flip tried to get on the card, and uh, then the fact that he got on the card by pretending he was Chico and winning the that rumble battle Royal at the beginning. It just, it kind of all fit together and it made that match because like I said, I'm a sucker for storylines right. and it just made that match so much better. It did. All right. So, so after talking about these shows, um, yeah. And you know, I, I told you that I told, actually told you I was planning on uh, watching all in again this weekend. I, I didn't get a chance to, because so I was trying to catch up on, on, on these matches and decide what I wanted to put in my, you know, my top five for all the, all this stuff. So hopefully I'll get a chance to, to kick back and watch it this week and, and rewatch it again for the first time. Um, I still have not seen it on television or with commentary or any of that stuff. So I'm hoping that watching it that way doesn't detract from the feeling I had watching it at in the arena, but I'm thinking the way, with the way you reacted to it, I, it probably won't detract from it. Unfortunately it's going to, um, and it's not, there's nothing against that, but there's nothing like being involved in the crowd and in the moment, like uh, you would be at a live show. It's just, it's like watching sports on TV. Well, you're not a sports fan, so that's hard to compare to, but anytime you're actually in the crowd and feeling the emotions along with 10,000 other people, it's going to be a whole lot better than sitting in your living room with a beer, watching it by yourself. Right, I don't expect it to be exactly the same. I'm just saying that that you know I think I'm still going to to love it watching it on on TV because you did watching and you and you know you weren't live there with me, but you still adored you know most of the show. I I adored the whole show. I even liked the Matt Cross MGF um, match in the beginning. You know I thought that was fun, so I I liked it all. I liked the whole thing. That's the part of the show that I think might be better watching it on on TV because I think all of us in the crowd were kind of deflated when that happened because we, you know, because we didn't we weren't expecting it. You know, we had just seen um, the Battle Royal and we were expecting you know one of the matches advertised to open the show, and when two people came out that we had no idea who the hell they were, I think that really kind of brought down the crowd for you know the the first ten fifteen minutes of the show. Well, and you guys and in the audience there, you didn't have the announcers selling the two the two people in it and telling us how great they were and why they belonged where they were and everything. Right, but, and, and and now that I know that Matt Cross is um, son of Havoc from Lucha mm-hmm. Underground, it makes me want to watch the match again and see how we did how he did in there. And MJF, I've I've been hearing good things about him, and you mentioned today watching um, a promotion that has him in it, so. Yeah, I was thinking we should try to get caught up on Major League Wrestling. We're only like 37 episodes behind or something. And the only reason why I want to watch that is for Mr. Money's Worth. Not low-key or Teddy Hart? <laughs> no. Well, Teddy Hart, but Teddy Hart, I can't even, I can't believe Teddy Hart's even still wrestling. Well, they have, they have the new Hart Foundation in there, and that consists of three guys. It consists of Teddy Hart, Davey Boy Jr., 
and Brian Pillman Jr. So, okay, so who's Davy Boy Jr.? Davy Boy Smith Jr. You know the, the you know the we see him wrestle in uh, with with Killer Elite Squad all the time. The, he's in this. Yeah, he's in that. Well, hell, now sign me up. I want to watch. Cool. All right, so uh, so so going and if you guys want to follow along with us, we're going to try to watch a few episodes a week, and uh, and it's and they all the episodes are on YouTube, so it, it's pretty easy to get caught up on. Um, so going through the scoring of these shows, I ended up with a, with a top five between the two of us. Is obviously All In and Dominion are going to be one and two. Uh, Final Battle ended up number three. Wrestle Kingdom four, and then Takeover Brooklyn five at number five. Yeah, I'm you right with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and simply because I, it was to me it was a toss up between Best in the World and Takeover Brooklyn. Um, I just there were when I re, when I was looking through the match lineups and everything, I I just I felt stronger about a couple matches on Best in the World. That's why I went with that over Takeover Brooklyn. But they were kind of similar. Um, I have no problem having Takeover Brooklyn there. Not cool. at all, at number five. Yeah, it, the, the way that it worked out is basically that I had taken over Brooklyn number three, and you didn't have it on your list, and and you had Best in the World four, and I didn't have it on my list, so because Takeover Brooklyn was a little bit higher on mine, it ended up being number five. And it was that was one of the shows when I was trying to figure out my final list. It was right there in those the final three. Like I said, the the three, four, and five could have all been tied with number three, and. Uh, Takeover Brooklyn Four was right there too because it had a lot of strong spots. I just thought felt like there were a few better efforts, and there was only one match on that card that I truly, absolutely loved. Where Best in the World had two. Yeah, and, and other shows that I thought about um, were New Beginning in Osaka, which had um, some excellent matches on there, and. Um, what was the other one? Um, the the New Japan show, the the latest, the most recent New Japan show in the U.S. where it had, you know, the um, Osprey versus Skrull match. It had yeah, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. I don't think that was the most recent one, was it? Yeah, it was. All right, because well, that was one. that was um, the same weekend that um, Ring of Honor had theirs on Friday night. Yeah, that's what then, I, that's what I'm talking about. That one, that one was in running for me too, and so was Strong Style Evolved. The G1 special from uh, summer after Dominion. No, Strong Style Evolved was was the one in March. That's the one that had the main event of the. Oh Golden yeah, that's versus... right. Right, the, versus the Bucks. No, the G1 special that had um, after Dominion, where that, yeah, that was, was headlined by Cody and Kenny. Yeah, that was a good show too. That so also, because that also had Goto versus Jeff Cobb on it. Right, we're in Goto shortly after Goto won the title back. Right. <laughs> so I remember, because remember you were confused. Like, didn't we see Elgin win the title? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was another one of those where I just I texted you and I'm like, wait, what happened? Did wait, what? Did I miss something? Uh, um. All right, so what else do we have on our list here? Let's see. I think probably Breakout of the Year might be a good one to go with next. Yeah, we could do that. Um, I had at number five, I had Velveteen Dream. And he was not on my list, but he was, he was one of those ones where you mentioned to me, and I said, damn it. So, I think, but, 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 but I mean, to me, he didn't, 
yeah, I mean, he he definitely had some star performances, but it wasn't like um, there was a title reign for him or he won some big matches. He mostly lost his big matches. But if you think so, about so, it, so did our number one breakout star of the year, because I'm sure you and I have the same guy at number one. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, it, I, I just felt like Velveteen Dream after TakeOver Brooklyn 4, um, I think that was the turning point where he stopped being a character and started actually being an accomplished wrestler. And every time he was on the screen after that, I was glued. I had to watch what he was doing. Yeah, and, and, and he was absolutely phenomenal in that match against Ricochet in, uh, New, in uh, not New Orleans, but where the hell did I go? Chicago <laughs> as well. And he was great in that ladder match in New Orleans too. Yeah, that and that ladder match in New Orleans, and the fact and the uh, one-off match he had against Johnny Gargano was brilliant too. Because that was I, I don't think I saw that one. It was uh, it was on an NXT episode, and it was where um, Johnny really started his heel turn. It was uh, like the, it was from Velveteen Dream, and it, it was just such a perfect blend of the character that Velveteen Dream has been relying on and his mm-hmm. actual talent in the ring. It just, at that match to me, it just all kind of blended together. And that's where he kind of took off. And I was like, okay, this guy is amazing. He's going to be a superstar. Yeah. And I still think he will be. I, I just, uh, I just hope he doesn't get, you know, um, watered down and ruined on the main roster. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's going to, because that's what happens with WWE. Let's not get on the tangent again. <laughs> Let's not. So my number five is Jeff Cobb. Oof. Uh, you know, and that I'm just, I don't want to cut you off and let you explain here, but to be honest, it came right down to Velveteen Dream and Jeff Cobb for me. Um, I just felt like Velveteen Dream did it a little bit longer than Cobb did. And I felt like Cobb was fantastic every time I saw him all year. You know, he, he ended up winning – uh, Bola, which is of course, the, you know, is, is the is what you know the re- big reason I, I agreed with you about you know Marty Skrull being um, having a phenomenal year last year because um, he did the same thing. Um, I think Cobb has been fantastic in Ring of Honor. I thought he was fantastic on the NJBW shows that we saw him on, and you know he, he had you know great matches against Shane Taylor, against um, Hangman Page, and you know I just I and I just think he's, don't forget he's his like, match against Evil. Yep, his match against Evil, and I and I think he's just obviously a rising star in Ring of Honor, and I, and I would be surprised if he doesn't have the ROH World Title by the end of next year. I just think he, I just think he's that much on the rise. Did you watch the um, not the latest edition of Ring of Honor because that was just a recap show, but the last one where they had their Christmas ten uh, man Christmas match? I have not. No, I have not seen Ring of Honor since uh, Final Battle at all. Um, well. When you watch it, you're going to see feats of strength by Jeff Cobb that just blow your mind. I'm sure. He put Brian Malonis and uh, threw him over the top of his head. Nice. And gave uh, Beer City Bruiser a uh, tour of the islands. Yeah, that I, that I can uh, easily see. So I, I, I not, I'm not taking anything away from Jeff Cobb because it, it literally came down to a coin flip between him and Velveteen Dream. Literally a coin flip because I, I felt like Jeff Cobb had a great prospect tournament and beyond. 
Mm-hmm. But that was August, September, October, November, where I felt like Velveteen Dream really started to click around the end of May, start of June. Yes, yeah, and I remember seeing Cobb in in the uh, Strong Style, like on like the uh, Strong Style Evolved UK shows. So I saw him, you know, earlier in the year than perhaps you did too. I remember seeing him. I just remember looking at him, going, "Who the fuck is this guy? Why are they pushing him so hard? How does he get a title match?" <laughs> you know, and I never that, and I think maybe that put a bad taste in my mouth. But regardless, Velveteen Dream and, and Jeff Cobb to me were like they were literally a coin flip away from cool. re- being in that same position. And number four for you would be Tessa Blanchard. Interesting. I, I can't think of another woman. Honestly, man or woman, I can't think of another person that has risen to the top as fast as she did and held that top position the way she has. Tessa Blanchard has been absolutely phenomenal this year, and she is so much better than when I first saw her that she's actually my number one. Oh, really? She is. I told you last week I might have her there, and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And my and my other and my three uh, people, my three other people that were kind of after Jeff Cobb, I thought Blanchard has been absolutely outstanding. And I, and you know, I mean, she went she went from being someone that I just kind of looked at and went eh, to being you know someone I, I who I really actively enjoy. I actually actively anticipate watching on a on a weekly basis, and, and that doesn't, you know, you know me and my wrestling preferences, Jeff, and you know that doesn't usually happen with me with women, right. um, women wrestlers. So I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe to, maybe to look at them, but not to actually watch them perform. And I think she's been outstanding. She was at All In. She was at Slammiversary. She has been on Impact after Slammiversary, and. Um, and you know, the, the, there actually there actually is one other woman I considered for this list, and that, of course, is Ronda Rousey. Um, but, See, but Blanchard, but Blanchard, I thought was was the best woman breakout star, and one of, and one of the best stars in Impact. Period. And so I ended up having to go with her. See, and with Tessa Blanchard, the only other woman I really had in that spot was Kelly Klein. The only other one that I really considered for this, I thought Kelly Klein had an amazing year, um, but. The thing I with just, Kelly Klein, though, is she actually had a better year last year. They just didn't have a championship at that time. And see, that's kind of why I kept her off of it, because it was hard for me to call her the breakout star this year. And it was the same with Sonata. Um, Sonata had a great 2000, or no, Evil, had a great 2016. On paper, he had a better 2017, but I couldn't call him a breakout star. No, vice versa, what, however that was. I just, I couldn't. You know, you know, you know we're in 2018, right? Yeah, I know, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't go with um, Kelly Klein on this list for that simple fact that I felt like she, even though she broke out this year, she had a much better last year. Yeah, and and I think that you know, speaking of Evil and Sonata, I, I think with the way Sonata performed in the tag team tournament, with the way that he pushed Okada to the limits earlier this year in a championship match, I think that he might be poised for a breakout year next year. And he had a breakout year last year too. So, well, kind of. He, it just didn't go anywhere. Is the only problem. Yeah. So my number four is actually. I think you're going to be surprised by it. it's actually Hangman Page. I am surprised by that because he's my number one. I, I figured he would be. 
after, when you when you said that you thought we had the same guy, and he had, he had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but but it, it kind of boils down to what what you and I have talked about is that you know they're, they're saying that he's the future of wrestling, but he's, but he's not even the future. He's now the present, and yet you know no championships other than the six man, hardly any wins on a big stage. You know he he did get a few of them, and he did perform very well, but. Um, I do think he's a rising star. I just don't think he's as much of a rising star as you, as my top three. It's just that simple. And see, I went with him at a breakout spot at the number one breakout spot, simply because he, and I'm kind of eating my own words here because I remember saying last week when we were talking about final battle and the fact that um, I lowered the rating on his match against Cobb because I never really bought into him winning it. But I think it was more the fact that I knew he was leaving the company than it was the fact that he's you know never wins the big matches. I just he's become one of those guys that's a must watch guy for me, and we, we've talked about this before about how I I uh, hate what NJ, uh, NJPW does with their shows because they sprinkle these must watch guys throughout the show. So you mm-hmm. have to watch every fucking match, even a lot of the eight man takes. <laughs> <laughs> but Adam Page has become one of those guys to me, and which is why he was my number one guy. That is a must watch. I need to watch when he's on the TV because I know I'm going to see something great. Well, yeah, I, I feel I feel the same way with him too, and I and I love his storylines going on on um, being the elite. But the thing is that when I think of breakout star, I think of guys that are going to be pushed to the top. Um, or at or at the top, you know, very shortly. And I and Paige, it just always seems like, well, I shouldn't, yeah, I should say for the last like two years, it seemed like he's still in that second tier where he's not going to skyrocket to the top of a promotion. He may be he may be booked well, he may be a draw for them, but he's not looked upon as the main draw or the main guy. And I think the other two guys that I have above him and between him and Tessa Blanchard are either right there or, or hitting there very shortly. So, and my next uh, two guys, I actually have one of them, I think is there should be there now. And if not, he will be by the end of this year. And the other guy I'm kind of sketchy on because I hated him for so long. My number three, like I legitimately hated this guy. I d- despised watching his stuff. I, I he was he was my bathroom break. Interesting. Um, and throughout the year, he's grown on me, and that's Juice Robinson. Wow. I and I, I mean I I one of the when I was babbling while you were doing something, I started talking about Juice Robinson and how he's really turned the corner. I think his character work has developed in such a way that it's getting to a point where it's hard to deny him. His in-ring, in-ring work has gotten phenomenal. You know, he's about to be a two-time U.S. champion. And it, it's just, it's hard to deny this guy at this point that he is one of the top draws in NJPW, especially uh, the Americans. You know, I think... I think if we had been talking six months ago, he would have been on my list for breakout star of the year as well. Um, but I, but with the way that he, um, and, and, and you know, we t- I talked about how, how what a great storyteller he showed himself to be in um, in the G1. But at the same time, he lost most most of those matches. 
He lost the, U- the U.S. title in his first defense to Cody in a match that I pretty much hated. And it seems like he's been downhill ever since he won that U.S. championship. And I know that wins and losses don't matter that much, but at the same time, it seems like his momentum stalled in June, and he's never really gotten it back. I um, think I so, think so, so, so back. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, so to, so to me, you know, the, the breakout part of that he had was halfway through the year, and then it started going down since then. So I, think, I feel like he's been, like, put right back into the cage he was in when the year started. And I'm kind of on the opposite end of that. I think he's come full circle in a way where it was his character that really brought me down, his impersonating Shawn Michaels and whatever he was. But then he got involved with uh, David Finley, and they they started as a tag team, and, and together they were fun to watch. And that's when I really started going, okay, Juice Robinson isn't that bad. And then he won the title from Jay White. And I was in a great match. Um, and I was like, okay, this guy can wrestle, but I'm still not sold on his character. And then, of course, he lost to Cody. Um, in I, I hate to say it because Cody, to me, has had one of the best years ever, not just this year, but was a horrible match. And then for him, the way he came back from all that and the way he sold himself, presented himself, and didn't dwell on the fact, like when you – when you look at what happened with Okada and you look at what happened with Juice Robinson, Okada loses the championship and just goes basement dweller. And all of a sudden he's got to fight his way back up. Juice was down and out for a little bit, but didn't skip a beat. He went right back to his tag team with uh, David Finley and he's been right on clicking just like he was before with putting on good match after good match after good match. And he's tweaked his character enough to where it's watchable now. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, and I know that you've, you've been down on this character and, and stuff for a lot of the year too. So I can totally see where you're coming from. Um, I'm hoping that he will be, you know, that he wins when, when he gets the U S title from Cody at wrestle kingdom, that will propel him to have, have more of a breakout year next year than it did this year, in my opinion. So, I mean, he, I, he's another one that I can see being on my breakout list next year, but um, this year I just couldn't have him there. See, and I think I know who um, one of your three or two is, or either your two or three is, and I'm actually kicking myself a little bit because I really wanted to put him on the on the card or on this top five, but Jay White. Jay White's my number three. You're absolutely yeah. right. And he, he didn't make my top five. I, I'm, and, sur- I'm, sur- I'm shocked by that it, it, because, <laughs> because the, reason that he, the reason that he made mine is because, yes, he was great in Ring of Honor last year as a professional wrestler. Right. But and yes, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, I, I said that, you know, his match against um, Tanahashi wasn't very good. And, and part of that is because he, he didn't have his character down. But ever since that match, he has been dead, solid, perfect with that character leading up to when he lost the championship at um, at uh, whatever that show was. He lost it to Juice at. And and then he and then he even develop more of his character in that show with the whole slamming, you know, slamming um, juice into the table and, and hurting Ross. And then he, and he, then he started doing that throughout, you know, every one of his matches the rest of the year that became his thing. And then to the point where, um, you know, he, he beat Omega for the U S title this year, he beat Okada. 
He beat Tanahashi back-to-back. Um, he had a phenomenal match against Tanahashi later on in the year at, uh, I can't remember if it was Power Struggle or, or Best in the or, uh, one of those shows. It was Power and, Struggle. And, you know, and, you know, subverting everything going on with, in chaos, just really growing into the Switchblade character and then eventually becoming the leader of Bullet Club. I mean, I, I just cannot imagine not having him on my list whatsoever. And, and number three seems like the right spot for me. See, and for me, the reason why the reason why he didn't make my list is because he started the year weak, really weak. In fact, until he beat Omega for the U.S. title, I felt like he was plod long. I never understood why he even got that match with Tanahashi. It just didn't make sense to me. And then he won that title match and the whole chaos thing and the buildup. And I remember saying, what, a month and a half ago that he was by far my or no, it wasn't. So it was Power Struggle, so it was like three months ago, that he was my probably breakout star of the year. And then once Gato turned, and everything became more about Gato than Jay White in this whole Okada storyline, that's where it took a turn for me, and I was like, okay, he's now all of a sudden taking a backseat. He's not this top-level elite star like they were pushing him, and it just he became another guy on the card to me. Which is sad because I was all in on his character. At uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed, I was telling you how he, that was the best heel moment I've seen in a very, very long time. With the well, way he worked the crowd. and Well, you know, it's not going to be Okada versus Gato at Wrestle Kingdom. This is not like a, to me, this is not like a, Chris Jericho versus Triple H situation where it was really Triple H versus Stephanie in the feud. I mean, this is, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, you know, Okada's mad at Gato for turning for turning on him, but White and Okada are the two they're going to have, in my opinion, a five star match at Wrestle Kingdom. No, yeah. I agree. I I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I hope that they turn this storyline a little bit. But to me, it became more like a Triple H versus Stephanie, and and um, Jay White has turned into that Chris Jericho role because he. He just seems like he's playing second fiddle. And I think it was, there was a tag match that they had before he turned um, and became part of Bullet Club or became the leader of Bullet Club where Okada had Jay White dead in his sights and left him there to go get Gato. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Why are we turning this story now, Okada versus Gato, when it should be Okada versus Jay White? They should have been playing Jay White up as this master manipulator that stole his manager type of thing. Instead, they turned it into a Okada versus Gato storyline. And that's where it just took this turn for me. And I just, I haven't enjoyed anything he's done since his mat, since Gato turned, I guess. Yeah, see, the, see, see, and I never felt that it was, that it was that strongly that it was, it was Gato instead of white. I thought it was always Gato and white. But but I mean, if you're if you're a guy that you, that had been had been you know endorsing you for the last five or six years turned on you, I think that you'd be pretty pissed off at him too. Right. You know. But I just don't like the way they're telling it. Yeah, I think I think I think it's a fact, and that's and it makes me it kind of hurt me inside because I really when it came right down to this list, I just I couldn't include him just because I felt like he started the year bad. He had a solid six months there in the middle. And it was a lot like Jeff Cobb was. 
where Jeff Cobb to me had a solid five months at the end of the year. But the five, the six, seven months before that was just whole hum. And I kind of got that same thing with Jay White, where he started off the first three, four months of the year was, and then he hit a stride and he kept that stride. And then he closed out the year kind of, and now we're supposed to be all excited about his feud with Okada when they haven't done shit for three months. Since he joined Bullet Club, they have not done anything to strengthen this feud. It's just now all of a sudden we're buying into a feud that's three months old. I'm having a hard time getting up for it again. See, and and to me, he had one bad night, and that was against Tanahashi. And then the next night when he turned on Omega started, started me really believing in his Switchblade character. And and following it all the way through the end of the year, where where he uh, where he was able to completely manipulate chaos and turn on turn on them with Bullet Club. And yeah, I, I I see what you're saying with the last couple of months, but you also have to remember the last couple of months have been all about junior tag league and world tag league. Right. So, and, and, and that's and that's how it is every year in in NJPW. So. But if you if you do think about it, the way he manipulated chaos and everything, and um. <laughs> For him to not have become the leader of chaos and for them to turn heel and continue his manipulation of chaos, it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't sit right. For me, that was like the the major misstep, misstep not only in his character but in that feud because we expect him to be a bad guy leader of Bullet Club. But to be a leader of, of chaos and to turn an entire faction heel that would have had him solidly at number one in my list. But they, they just took a, wrong, they took a wrong turn there, and that storyline just completely fell apart in well, my I, eyes. I mean, well, I, I, I'm not sure that that was the actual plan all along. I mean, I, th- I think that part, that was partly done at least because they knew they were losing the elite, and they needed somebody to – that you know they needed some more um, name and better guys to – endorse bullet club than just like the the old guard well they're so. getting two of the best ever come back are they carl anderson and doc gallows are they are they coming back for sure now they uh their contracts up at the end of this year and they're not renewing oh excellent tama tonga actually tweeted something out uh i believe yesterday welcome them, well, um, telling them they've always got a spot in bullet club awesome so now, I mean, now, 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 Shinsuke would return too. Yeah, and if AJ would too, I'm <laughs> sick of watching him flounder on that main main roster. So, who's your number two breakout star of the year? Uh, this should be a no brainer for you. Do I even need to say it? Yeah, you do. Matt Taven. Ah. <laughs> uh... See, see now to me when you, when you talk about you know guys that that only had a good couple, two or, good two or three months, that that's where Matt Taven falls for me. Oh, see, and I think he's been on fire since that CMLL show. Right, but that was only in September, so we're talking about three months. Right, he's been on fire since then, but he started his climb in what March when he reformed the kingdom. I can't believe you don't have my my number two guy on your list. I I honestly cannot believe it. Who's your number two? Thomas Tommaso Ciampa. Because I thought he broke out last year. No, last year he had, he turned on Gargano, but he didn't even actually wrestle anymore after that. Remember, he he was injured right afterwards. 
this is the year where he had the rise where you know we saw we saw what Champa could actually be as a superstar. We saw how great he could talk on the mic. We saw how great he could be in professional wrestling matches, singles matches, not just tag matches. And he's been the NXT champion for, what, four or five months now. And he's been at the top of that card. He's had great matches with, um, with Gargano, with, Ch- with uh, Black, who is hard to have Which, a good match with, yeah, and, with and, and, apparently, and apparently with, with Dream at uh, TakeOver War Games, which we haven't seen yet. But, I mean, he's been dominating that brand. To the point where you know where you almost believe him when he says he's the uh, the uh, greatest sports entertainer of all time, and also he got theme music for the best reason ever to shut the crowd up. <laughs> you know, I thought it, Tommaso Ciampa has had an incredible year, and he's my number two breakout star of the year. You know, and I hate to say this, but I never even thought about him because I had him in my wrestlers of the year, so I never even thought of him as a breakout. He made my top 10 wrestlers of the year, so I just I didn't include him in my breakout because I didn't even think of him in that mold. Well, I don't see why you can't be in both. I, well, he can. It's just my mindset was not thinking of him as a breakout star because he was, such, he, he was so dominant throughout the year that he was one of my top 10 wrestlers of the year. So it just didn't even click that, oh, yeah, he could have been a... Uh, he, that this was actually his breakout season, his breakout year. Gotcha. Yeah, and that means that we that we only had two shared people on our lists. <laughs> Tessa and Adam Page. Yep, and they, and they basically tie at at, at number one. So. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, going back through that, I'm okay with um, Champa and uh, Cobb being on there, and possibly taking Taven and, and Robinson off. Okay, so then that that would leave. Let's see. So we got so that Adam would, so, Page. So that, so that means we have Dream and White left. Yeah. And it's tough for me to decide between either one of those two, so I'm gonna let you. Well, White was on your list, so let's go with White. Yeah, White was, and White was actually higher on my list, and Dream was on yours. So. Well, and White was actually one guy that was in consideration. Champa, I completely forgot about it. Had, had I thought about Champa, he would have easily been number two on my list. And I just didn't even think about him. All right. So now what about Pager and Blanchard? Are we okay with him being tied for number one? Oh, yeah. I am. I am. I'm okay. Yeah, I am too. Right. I, I think they both had similar great years. All right. So we have Page and Blanchard number tied at one. Tommaso Champa third. Uh, Jeff Cobb. No. Jay White at four. Jay, Jay White at four and Jeff Cobb at five. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, cool. And you're you're gonna post you're gonna you said you're gonna post our standings on Facebook, right? Yeah, you're just gonna have to send them to me because I'm not writing any of this crap down. I'm sending them to you verbally right now. What the hell are you, what the hell are you talking about? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Play along here. <laughs> All right, so. Wow, we've we've covered uh, two categories and we're an hour into the show. So yeah, but we got a late start and then you hung up on me. So right, but I mean, the time we were actually talking, it's been like about an hour. So oh, I don't buy that. All right, so let's go with let's go with moment of the year and then we'll take a, then we'll take our uh, commercial break. Yeah, moment of the year should be pretty quick. I don't have too much to say on all of them. 
All right. So I'm, I'll, should I go? Should I lead off this time? Yeah, go for it. All right. So moment of the year number five is the all-in post-show speech to me. Oof. That uh, it really. Um, and, and you, you you may not even consider my number one a moment, but I, but you know the all in post show speech was just so motivating, and so embracing, and I, we played it we played it on the show. I just absolutely loved every second of that, and uh, it it just was so inspirational to me personally um, that I just I just could not not include it, but I ended up having it number five because I thought the other things were either more important or. Um, more overall important to wrestling the way it is now. I mean, at some point, if everything happens with all with uh, all elite wrestling and with the world of pro wrestling the way that you and I envision and the way we'd like it to happen, the way that the Bucks and Cody I think envisioned it, then then this might end up being something that should be higher on my list. But but it, I have it as number five. And here's why it didn't make my list at all. Simply because it was not seen. It was one of those moments that were, was meant to be for the people in attendance. And because we have video phones, it made it to, um, it made it out into the public. Well, didn't they actually show them being the elite? I thought they did. I don't believe so. I'll have to go back and look, but I don't believe so. I mean, they showed snippets of it, but they didn't show the whole thing. Okay. And that's that's the one reason it stayed off my list. My number five was Rod, Roderick Strong turning on Pete Dunne uh, at Takeover New Orleans. That was a great moment. It just it, 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 it did not make my list, but it was a great moment. It uh, part, just, part, part, part of the reason it didn't make my list, I'm sorry to just to interrupt you, but was because it didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> and see, I, I that's mean, that's ahead, why it made my list. That was the number one. That's the reason it made my list is because it came completely out of left field. Like the rest of the stuff on my list, you could kind of see coming or you knew was going to happen. No, actually, you know what? Take that back. Nothing on my list you saw coming. Well, with the way the storylines were going. I mean, one of them you knew was going to happen, but eventually, but it just, you kind you it didn't, I don't know. Anyway, it, it to me, it, it just, it came out of left field. It was one of those moments when you're, when you're looking for a moment, you're looking for something that is shocking, gets you up off your feet and makes you go, what the fuck did I just see? And Roderick Strong turning on Pete Dunne, to me, with the way they were in that entire tournament leading up to it, was just, it, it was just one of those moments where it was like, what the fuck did I, what just happened? Well, you know, the, the thing is that I expected Roddy to turn in that match. I, but, but I expected it would, it would basically be, you know, he would come out there and he would join with um, Kyle O'Reilly. And then basically Pete Dunn would be kind of be on his own, but the way that it actually happened in the match with, with strong and done, you know, kicking ass together, um, getting their ass kicked together. And then with done just about to win the tag team titles for them. And then, and then strong chooses that moment to, to turn and, you know, and, you know, the rest of, what is now the rest of um, Undisputed Era had no idea he was going to do it. That, that, that's the part to me that didn't make any sense. I mean, they're about to win the tag team titles, and that's when he decides to stomp on his partner's head and cost them, you know, potentially the, the chance to win those tag team championships. Because if you think about it logically, authors of pain do not stay down for very long. They could have easily got back in that ring 
and um, and interrupted the count in, the, in that in that amount of time that it took him to to turn on Dunn. So yeah. to so while it was a great moment, while it was one I enjoyed, and and I and I love what's come out of it. It to me at the time it didn't make any sense. And to me it came kind of like a um, Ric Flair turning on Steam or on Sting um, when they joined forces and went up against uh, Horseman, where you saw Flair just getting his ass kicked week in and week out by Ben Juan Arn Anderson. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere he just he gets tagged in and just sucker punches Sting and it was all this thing to turn on Sting. I I think well, the I'm glad you clarified what you're talking about because the number of times that Flair was turned on Sting is I, I don't even know if I can count that high. Oh, the I, the one I'm th- the main one I'm thinking about. I think it was uh, what '94, maybe, yeah. when it was uh, Benoit and Arn Anderson. They just week after week just beat the shit out of Ric Flair, and you thought for sure he'd finally turn good, and then to watch him turn on Sting, that was another one of those kind of moments. And I think if this is one of the few times where I think NXT really didn't they really didn't uh, explain it the way they should have. Because I think that moment is where they should have came out and said, oh, this was in the works, this was planned, kind of like they did with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, you know, setting up Sting, basically. But as far as the moment goes, there was just that one moment I couldn't, that had to be my number five. All right, fair enough. Um, My number four was also from All In, and that was with Joey Ryan coming out with the... uh, with all the penises and the druid penises and, and uh, carrying Adam Page to the back and throwing Adam Page around the ring. It was just a fantastic. Um, so, and I, you know, I think it was maybe one of my moments of the year simply because I had not been following along with being the elite. If I had been, I, I might still have really enjoyed it, but it, it may not have been as shocking to me as it was um, being that I was not familiar with the storylines going in. I just, but I just thought it was absolutely awesome. I thought it was, it was uh, just wonderful. And of course, you know, the, the crowd, uh, the, you know, the crowd at the end, you know, chanting along, you know, I, along with them chanting rest in penis, you know, it just, it just to me is one of my favorite things I saw in the entire year of 2018. And for me, I couldn't get into it because I had no clue who Joey Ryan was. I that's just, Bottom line. Um, my number four was Gato turning on Okada at Destruction and Kobe. You hate that. You hate that it happened. I hate that what has come out of it, but at the moment it was shocking. Gotcha. At the mo- at the moment it, it checked all the boxes on moment of the year. It was shocking. It made me stand up and go, what the fuck? Um, it, it basically checkmarked all the boxes. You know, I'm starting to think we're not going to have a, uh, a, cons- a consensus uh, top five of this, of this category. <laughs> I think we'll have one because I, I have – actually, I think we'll have two. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, and Gato turning on, on – uh, actually, the way, the way that they did that was very, um, very well done because first you have um, Yoshihashi come out. And then you have Gato come out. So Gato turning actually was something not expected because because Yoshihashi was the first one to come out. Right. And so and it looked like it Gato was coming at come, come down to check on Yoshihashi and to check on Okada. So the, yeah, they they did that very well. I think setting it up where kind of kind of uh, uh, some misdirection going on there. Well, they set it up to make you believe that Yoshihashi was going to turn. 
Well, yeah, but until he until he pulled a, pulled a Titus O'Neil and hasn't been seen since. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> What's your number three? My number three is Tommaso Ciampa's entrance and basically the entire crowd's reaction to him in New Orleans at Takeover. Um, it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, it's something that you know I don't think I'll ever forget. It was something that I liked um, just watching it again over the weekend. Um, the crowds, you know, fuck you, Champa, you know, being all over him in that match, and it, and it carried on for the, you know, basically for most of the next forty-five minutes of that of that spectacle, and I just think that it was um, just an amazing, amazing time. It was that to me, and that was my number one moment. And I, re- I remember you telling me this weekend that you were going to go off the board and told me what it was, and I was like, no, nah, that's not off the board, dude. That's my number one because it. <laughs> right. It just uh, that and Jay White's performance at um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed ha- have to be my two favorite heel moments of probably the last fifteen years. It, it just it encompassed everything, and it it showed he was able to get legitimate heel heat, and he's just taken the ball and run with it ever since. Yeah, and and you know it was I I did tell you that, and I and I did almost have it as my number one. I really did, even though it ended up being number three. Um, the reason that it couldn't be my number one, um, or my number my number one or number two, I guess I I guess I will get to, but we what was your number three? We didn't we didn't talk about that, did we? My number three was the OGs turning on the elite at the G one special and then Cody's face turn as a part oh, of god. it. Oh god damn, how did I not think of that one? Oh that's a that's a great choice. That's a really that, good choice. I remember at that time I was whining about how um, this whole storyline needs to end. And then, you know, of course the elite has left bullet club since and so on. The story ended and that when you look back at it now, that was the end of the storyline. That was the OGs kicking them all out of bullet club. Yeah. You know, I, I really should have considered that as, as one of mine, um, I kind I mean I guess I kind of did it in a way because my number 2 is the Golden Lovers re- reunion. And it's not just because of that moment which was just absolutely awesome and emotional and heartfelt, but it was because of everything that happened leading up, you know, the the rest of the year because of that moment. You know, it, you know, it was the Cody versus Omega feud. It was the Bullet Club's um fracture. It was the Bullet Club coming back together only to be destroyed by by the um by the OGs. OGs. Yeah. It was it was uh you know the the golden the golden elite and and Kenny you know sacrificing everything to get to get that last world title shot and to win the world title from Okada. Um it was you know and, and it was eventually what G. White ended up doing um and and joining the the bullet club he wanted to be a part of and not Omega's bullet club. And of course it, it led up to um, you know, the elite announcing that their last Bullet Club merchandise was coming out and to people speculating, well, that means they're going to WWE. I mean, it, it had so much influence over the course of the year. And of course, it, it was one of our favorite. It, it, had, it took it, it added contributed, you know, two of our favorite matches of the year in the tag team ranks. And. And not only that, but it was just these two best friends coming together. And also it, it led to one of my favorite quotes of the year, which was, 
when Kenny was asked, are you guys lovers in real life? And his response was, why does it matter? You know, I mean, it, it was so special to me. Um, and, and I think, and I think it was just a, an, an amazing moment, you know, just, just an amazing moment that led to so much in 2018. See, and I'm with the same, what was your number three before we move on? Cause you said that was number two. Yeah, my number, my number three where was uh, the Trumpa entrance. Okay, yeah. Um, my number two was actually the same players, but at a different time, which I felt led to almost everything that you talked about. It didn't give us the gold lovers versus bucks, but it did give us the whole elite and everybody being together. And that was when uh, he, when Kenny won the title at Dominion and I, the Young Bucks came out and he had to hug the Young Bucks before he uh, touched the title and it formed the Golden Elite. So that was my, that was my number two moment of the year was the formation of the Golden Elite. Because it was just something, it was, it was a culmination of a storyline. It was Kenny and Matt feuding and then best friends getting together and all of them getting along and, you know, Coda becoming basically part of the Elite and everything. It just what it let that that was probably the feel good moment of the year and probably and had to been my number two moment well obviously was my number two moment of the year yeah that's that's certainly valid i just i didn't want to take more i think more than one thing from that whole thing so i did think about that moment but i thought that the golden lovers reuniting meant more because it led to because it, it did lead to more um it led to more but i don't think it I, I think as good a feel good moment as that was, it wasn't as good as Matt and Kenny getting back together. True, but without the golden without the, the uh but I mean the one thing led to the other, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's same it's the same players, it's the same thing, it's just in a different order. Yeah, and my number one, like I said, you may not even think this is a moment of the year or even a moment, but my number one was simply because it proves how big NJPW is. It proves how how big Ring of Honor is. It proves that that another company can do what what the only WWE has ever done before. Was when G1 Supercard sold out Madison Square Garden in 16 minutes. Um, yeah, there was pre-sales a couple of days before that, but I mean this was. This, this, uh, when, the, when the tickets went on sale to the general public, it took less, it took just over a quarter of an hour to sell out Madison Square Garden's 15,000 seats. And I just think that what it shows for the wrestling industry, I had to have that as my number one. Yeah, and I can see that. Um, one moment that I thought, thought about and just kind of didn't, I didn't include it because, again, it wasn't one that we saw on TV. Um, was all in selling out as quickly as it did, because that that to me is a greater accomplishment than um, New Japan Ring of Honor selling out uh, Madison Square Garden simply because it was it, it was showing that the wrestling world wants something different, and the fact that these two or these three guys who are independent wrestlers can put on a show and take the world by storm. I, yeah, I, I agree with that, and and it, I almost had, um, I almost had it on my list too. But then I was like, do I really want to have two 
of the same kind of thing on my list. So I ended up not having the all-in-one on mine. Um, Madison Square Garden, to me, is more impressive than selling out Sears Arena, no matter who's doing it. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think a lot of – I think, you know, that even though it was Cody and the Bucks doing it, we knew there was going to be a lot of Ring of Honor talent on that show. Um, and and I, so I, I, I think it's – well, it is super impressive, and it may be even more impressive – to me, Madison Square Garden being sold out is just amazing. That's that's just where I am with it. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. So, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this list here, man. So, <laughs> uh, this, so, so. this one's kind of a kind of a rough one. It is. Um, I, I, think, think, uh, I think I think I think we can put the Golden Elite at number one. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, or maybe, yeah. Let's do Golden Elite number one because because we, we both had ba- that basically as our number two. Right. All right, and then we have um, I think the BGs Ch- and Cody's face turn. Well, Champa should be number two. Champa's entrance should be number two because you had it as one and I had it as three. So. Yeah. Um. Rest in pieces. You apparently did not care for, so we won't have that on there. I just didn't get it. I didn't know who the, I didn't know who Joey Ryan was, so I didn't get it at the time. Now, seeing being the elite and watching everything, now it it makes sense. Okay, so OG is turning on elite. You think? Probably number three. Trying to, yeah, there's nothing else that we there's nothing else that we had uh, on our list together. So, um. That high, huh? Oh, that, yeah, you'd have the number three on your list, didn't you? Yeah. So, but I had MSG selling out Madison Square number one on my list. So, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't look at that as. To me, that's not a moment because it didn't happen on TV. Yeah, I, I, I told I, I told you that's where you, that's where you're going to feel that it wasn't a moment. So. And I don't. And I don't. It didn't. Hearing that Madison Square Garden sold out was just like, oh, okay. It wasn't that. What the fuck did I just see? Moment. Okay, so OG is turning number three. Um, I guess we'll have Ghetto turning number four, and then we'll have Roddy turning number five. What was your number four again? My number four was Rest in Pieces. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Rest in Penis, I mean. Rest in Penis, yeah. Yeah. All right. And again, with the... I mean, no, no, we've got to have that on the list. So rest in peace, rest in peace, we're number five. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that one. Come on, man, we have to have something for the, from the greatest show of the year on here. So. Uh, well, I mean, all right, I'll give you that one. <laughs> all right, so we'll take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, then we will try to—I don't know—we'll try to wrap this thing up. All right, welcome back to Kingdom of Honor. Let's get right back into this thing, Jeff. So um, you and I decided to split up the, the matches of the year into singles matches and tag team matches. And so what was your tag team match of the year? You want to go there or you want to do character and storyline first? I want to do tag team match of the year first. All right, my now, number now, five. Now, now, now let's go back. Let's go back to 
Should we do character? Character, yeah. All right, so character of the year. What was your number five? Dalton Castle. Okay. I it just I mean I it doesn't need explaining the peacock the fact that he's able to sell that character and make it as great as it is it, it's just that's just an amazing job he's done there. And mine has been the mine is the guy I talked about all year as being a just fantastic character uh, wrestler and that is Bully Ray. I just think that he he is so great at getting the crowd against him. He's so great um, at at you know conveying emotion. And I think he's just amazing at that, and and he finds a different way to do it almost every time. And That's you know, your number and, five, huh? And, and you know, like like ripping the 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 twenty in front of that one fan was just ah oh, so good. I'm a yeah. little shocked that that's your number five. I know, and I, I knew you would be. That's my number one. Nice. Bully Ray is my number one character of the year for for all the same reasons. Can you? Think of another person. I mean, we talked about Champa coming out with no music and the crowd chanting "fuck you, Champa." Bully Ray does that every night. You know, we talked about the just character work in general, and I, there's not been a better character that has sold the whole Bully Ray persona than Bully Ray. Even right down to his uh, matches and the way that he runs away during all of his matches, it's just he is the prototypical heel. At this point, and what everybody who wants to be a heel should be like. He is. He actually is a great heel, but I. But I do have guys that I think I thought were better character performance than him this year. He, I mean, he may be the overall best in wrestling, but it doesn't mean he had the best year. So, what, what was your number four? My number four was Cody. Ah, and he's my and he's my number two. I thought he was, and and I struggled. With having him at four, I just felt like the three people ahead of him were better at it because I felt like Cody, and we talked about this on the last episode, and part of the reason why I loved the match that uh, Cody and Jay Lethal had more, way more than you did was that he just, he was able to go to flip between face and heel so quickly and put on such a great performance and such a different performance depending on what type of character he was. He, uh, the whole manipulating the Bullet Club, and maybe I got a little better appreciation for it watching uh, Being the Elite because I've really binge-watched. And right now I'm in the middle of the whole uh, Being the Elite saga or the whole uh, Kenny versus Cody saga. Mm -hmm. But I just, it was tough for me to put him that low. I just felt like uh, Bully Ray and the other two had are such better characters than Cody was. I thought Cody came off, even though it, it is definitely a character, I still felt he came off as more of a genuine human too. I just think he's been, he's, he's been great all year switching back and forth between those roles. Like he was, he was a great, um, you know, he was the driving force between behind bullet club separating he um, he plays a great heel in Japan and a great face in Ring of Honor, except for when he decides to be a heel in Ring of Honor. And I think he's great at getting the crowd feeling the emotions that he wants them to feel. Whether um, it's face or heel. Whether, whether, it's feeling, whether it's face or heel, exactly. Yep. Whether it's wanting him to lose and just hate him or whether it's wanting them, him to, the, the crowd to feel sympathy for him. Regardless of how it is, however he wants you to feel in that match, you feel. Exactly. And, and – uh, I think my number four, you're going to have higher up than I have him. Um, but mostly it's, it's, I have him 
lower because of the fact that I that I and he's it's the same reason he's why he's going to be lower on my rest of the year list and he probably is on yours. It's just because I I didn't see him as much as I saw the other guys, even though I absolutely love this guy and I still consider him to be, to be the best all around professional wrestler in the on the planet, and that's Austin Aries. Um, Aries is is absolutely amazing as a character performer. I just didn't, don't think I saw the body of work with him that I saw with everybody else that I that I saw on my list. And you're going to hate me because I didn't put him on my list. What? Okay. <laughs> I, I actually I honestly thought he'd be higher up on yours than he was on mine. He never even made my list. Um, oh. Did you, did, did you ever, ever, ever even think about him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, okay. The reason he didn't make my list, the whole reason he didn't make my list is because it's hard to separate the character from the man when he is that character everywhere he goes. Does that That's make a fair sense? point. Yeah, it does. It's, the rest of these people I've seen in other promotions, I've seen do other things. So I know that what they're doing right now is a character. And the fact that they're able to make me believe in that character is is something different. Where Austin Aries, I have never seen Austin Aries play a different character than what he's been playing this year in, in, in Impact. Now, that being said, my number three and my number two are both from Impact. Interesting. My number three is Eli Drake. Well, and have you have you seen any, him anywhere be, but Impact? Yeah, I yeah. saw. Um, yeah, I saw a little bit of him on the Independence, and I didn't realize it was him until I heard him talk, because he's got that cadence that really nobody else has, and he proved at the um, WrestleCon that we watched that horrible show that you made me watch that he is <laughs> head and shoulders above everybody else in the business right now with the exception of Austin Aries on the mic. He's got that lone wolf character that he does that is just so compelling and it's like even though he's part of this whole Church of Lee whatever uh, it it doesn't feel like he's a part of it but yet he's still it's just what I'm watching him do on Impact right now is just some of the best actual character work I've ever seen that's a subtle character work. It's like it, it really blurs your mind as to, okay, is this guy really this pompous and arrogant of an ass or is this just a work? And it's like if, if I hadn't seen him before, I would have him in the same character that I have, Austin, same plane I had Austin Aries where it was like, okay, is this really Austin or is this you know just a work? Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from Austin. I think Austin Aries is probably the best talker in wrestling right now. But I think Eli Drake's a close second. That's a fair point. I guess I guess Drake didn't really factor into into my thinking because there were so many guys that were more prominent to me in professional wrestling this year than Eli Drake. And some of that's not his fault. I mean, some of that is just Impact deciding that they were going to kind of write him out of the stories because they weren't sure if he was going to resign with them or not. But he's just been. Um, treading water for so long this year that I just could not, he just didn't enter even enter into my, uh, into my consciousness when I was thinking about characters of the year, just because that's, that's, I guess it's kind of like all he was is just, you know, talking and talking and talking. And, and I've seen him be better, I think, than, than he has been this year, even at doing that. So I think that 
that he just didn't factor in for me in that situation. Well, it's a lot like like it was with me and Champa being a breakout star. It's just you think of him in a certain way, and you can't think of him in that character mold. Um, where I mean, if you look at it, Champa did amazing character work this year. So does Johnny Gargano, for that matter. That's why Champa's my number one. Oh, in this in character yeah. of the year. Yeah, that's why okay. he's my number one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he did, and I didn't. Even, he's another guy that I just never even really considered for this list, just because. Um, I've gotten so used to him being there. One guy that I did consider for this list and really didn't make it, and I'm kind. It was it was the hardest cut I had to make. It really was was on Johnny Gargano, because you haven't seen his heel turn, but the character work that he did to turn heel is. It has me thinking of Jericho back in 1997 or 96, whenever it was when he went on his losing streak and started breaking chairs and then. Um, the stuff he came out with, I think if uh, if Gargano had gone a little more of the, the comedic route like Jericho did back then with the whole list of Jericho and the um, trophy collections and the, uh, him screaming into the camera that he killed Hoovy, um, I think that would have been, would have put Gargano on this list, but he just never made it. You're right. I haven't. I mean, the, the most. I think the most recent thing I saw from Gargano was when he was when he when he was embracing that he was uh, Johnny Failure or something like that. Yeah. Um, my number three though was Jay White. Oh. Damn it! Another guy I completely forgot about. <laughs> and I and I and I already talked about earlier why why he's on my character list. So basically, right. it's because he grew into that character throughout the course of the year to the point where I completely now that he is the switchblade yeah and i agree i mean and i'd even think about him he would have made my list if i thought about him i just didn't all right, all right and, who you, your, and who was your number two sammy callahan oh god damn it how did i not add him on here i is there I thought, a, you know what I, I honestly thought about him for breakout star of the year <laughs> is well i didn't think about him there because he's not i don't think he's that great in the ring um but as a character, as a leader of OVE, just his craziness. Like he, when, when we've talked about uh, Eddie Edwards being crazy before and Minoru Suzuki being crazy, Eddie, or, uh, Sammy Callahan takes that to a whole new level. Right. And he is so believable at what he does. He is so just over the top and insane that his character, while it's one of the most hated that I think I've ever seen. It's also one of the most compelling because you hate him. You want him to burn in a dumpster somewhere, but at the same point, you want to see what he does next. Yeah. I, I think he's been, he's been awesome. In fact, I have his, um, his feud with Pentagon in my, in my list for feuds of the year too. Um, yeah. He, he's, he's awesome. And I, and I love, I just love watching him now. You know, I love the whole thumbs up, thumbs down thing. I love the, I love the, uh, taking over everything thing. You know, I, I just love everything he does. So well, I, I'm, I am sad that I did not include him in my characters for the year. What got me, what got me hooked on him was the whole head shave thing. Yeah. When he, when he was freaking out because his head got shaved and he thought he looked ridiculous and he made uh, the Chris brothers shave their heads. And it just, that whole story and his whole feud with Pentagon and everything was just some of the best it was one of the better performances I think I've ever seen. It ranks right up there with uh, Macho Man turning um, when he turned heel on Hogan and became King Savage, King Randy. Sure. It ranks right up there with that 
kind of character turn. All right, so looking at the list here, we have Bully Ray number one. We have Cody number two. Um, you know, you can take Dalton Castle off and put Jay, Jay White on there for me. Yeah, so we, we've got Sammy Callahan number three because he was the highest one on um, my list. On on your list, and the highest one that you no, know, the highest one that either of us had that wasn't on anybody else's list. Um, Jay White for me would have gone Jay, in at number three. Would so he have? He, okay. he, yeah, he would because I would have bumped. Had I thought about him, I would have dumped Dalton Castle and gone uh, Jay White, Eli Drake, and Cody Rhodes. All right, so then number five, let's see. So we've got – oh, and actually, no, I, I, I take that back. Tom, Tom, Tommaso Ciampa was my number one. You didn't have him on your list at all. So, no. So I guess number three should really be Ciampa, then four, Callahan, and then five, White. Yeah. You okay with that list? So we got uh, Bully Ray, Cody, Ciampa, Callahan, and White. Yep. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. And then storyline slash feud of the year. What do you got at number five? Number five, I have the Bullet Club fracture. Oof. No, no, Oof. no, I don't. No, 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 I don't. Number five, I lied. I have I have SEU trying to save their jobs at number five. I have them at number four. Okay. I it was best storyline of the year in, in Ring of Honor, um, and the only reason it wasn't higher for me was because. The three things I had higher were much, much better. But I thought SCU trying to save their job was one of the greatest storylines of the year. Easily, bar none. It was. And and, uh, and actually, I think my number six was also Ring of Honor, but um, that was yeah. that, w- that would have been uh, Bully versus uh, Gordon. Yeah, and see, I had that at number seven, so it didn't make my top five, so we can't count it. <laughs> No, it's not going. We're not going to count. I'm just saying that you know that my five and six were both Ring of Honor storylines. Yeah, my five, my four and seven were. All right. So, what did you have as your number five then? Uh, Okada versus Jay White. I love the whole chaos storyline. I felt like um, the seeds of this whole feud really set place once Okada lost the title. Um, had it not been for the last probably three months, I think it would have been higher. But I, I'm looking forward to that match. I just wish they hadn't laid off the uh, gas pedal on it like they did. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that on my list at all. So, um, not that it not that it was bad. Not that it hasn't been entertaining. But um, I just think that it's it's just not something that I that I thought was was top five worthy personally. Number four, I have. Sammy Callahan versus Pentagon slash OVE versus the Lucha Brothers. I've just loved every single second I've seen of that entire feud. Um, Pentagon's been great in it. Um, the Chris Brothers have been great in it. Callahan, as we just talked about, has been amazing in it. And so and, is Phoenix. And so is Phoenix. Um, and, and, and the cage has been in the, the latter stages of it. But I mean, but I mean, really, it was it was. All of that, all of that, those great matches on Impact and at Slammiversary between these fact, between any combination of these teams, and I've just, I've just loved the wrestling. I've loved the character work. I've loved the brutality. I've loved the hatred. Um, it's, it's been a great story. And it was my number six, 
And the only reason why it was so low for me was because I haven't seen the completion of it yet. That makes sense. I've, I, I'm only maybe three and, months into the feud, so I haven't really gotten the full effect of it yet. So it just missed out on my top five. Yeah, and the sad thing is that isn't the wrestler's fault. That's Impact's fault. Right, right. right. So uh, what, what is your – oh, you, you said you're number four. So my number three was the Bullet Club Fracture. Um, and, that, I mean, and that's going all the way back to um, when Cody first hit the crossroads on Kenny Omega at, in Osaka. Yeah. You know, all, the, all the way through there and, you know, through, through the elite, finally just dropping out of Bullet Club altogether. Um, while there, while there w- it wasn't always great, it was something that was prominent throughout the year and I thought deserved a place on the list. See, and that was my number two. Okay. Um, but for me, it ended at um, the G1 special when the OGs basically kicked the elite out. Right, because we haven't really seen much between them since then. Right. With the exception of them taking the belts from the Young Bucks. Um, and Skrull. You know, yeah. Um, but, so, I mean, that was my number two. I, I think as far as um, feuds go this year, that was probably my number two feud. But the storyline that it um, encompassed overtook my number one feud. Okay. Make sense? So that's why that was number two, since we're combining both storyline and feud. It was my number one feud of the year. Or, I'm sorry, my number one storyline of the year. My number one feud of the year was Ciampa versus Gargano. And that came in at number three for me. See, that's my, and that's my number one. Um, I think the emotion that those two guys showed, the lengths they were willing to go to attack each other, and just the, the sheer quality of all of their three matches and also what's, what's kind of been happening lately that I haven't been watching, but that I, that I, that I did read about, which is that, you know, Gargano, uh, Ciampa helped Gargano beat um, black recently. Right. And, and of course, which, which kind of, which kind of is, is a shoe on the other foot being that, that Gargano is the one that helped Ciampa win the title from black. Um, they've just been so entwined this year and while I wasn't a, a super big fan of their last man standing match, it was still like a four star match. And when you when you take into account that it that they had two five star matches before that, I just think that that's easily the my feud of the year. Well, I, should, I shouldn't well I shouldn't say easily because my number two is pretty damn good too. My number one is one of the best storylines. It's weird here because I've got a storyline that was probably one of the better storylines I've seen ever. Then you had the Cody versus Omega and that whole Bullet Club storyline, which is one of my best combinations ever. And then you have Ciampa Gargano, which was probably the best feud this year, probably the best feud of the last 10 years. Um, so it, it's this is one of those rare situations where my one, two, and three are basically interchangeable. Um, my number one was Austin Aries being the belt collector. Oh, that's right. You told me that earlier today, and I, yeah. and I, and I had forgotten you, you mentioned that. And I, and I don't have that. And you know what? The, the reason that I don't have it on there is because we didn't see some of that on television either. You know, I mean, I mean, he won, he won the Defiant Championship and the Defy Championship this year, both. And we didn't see any of that. We saw him carry the belts around. They're on YouTube, especially Defiant. Defiant's only on YouTube. That's okay. uh, that's um, what culture pro wrestling. 
Well, they was, they closed they closed their doors now. I think didn't they? Well, what culture pro wrestling did, but it was bought by Defiant, so it's still going. Oh, see, I thought Defiant closed its doors this year too. Well, I don't know. I guess last I heard, they were still going. I thought that wasn't Marty Skrull a defiant champion at one point this year too. He could have been. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe. I just you've always, no, you've always well, more than I do. It wasn't it wasn't this year actually. It was last year that he was defiant champion. But I just I mean I I don't know that whole storyline with him kind of making it back to the top of the wrestling world and. It, it sucks that at Bound for Glory, he didn't really get to complete this whole storyline because he just flipped off the company and left. Um, but was it Bound for Glory? Which one was it? I can never it was, Yeah, it was Bound for Glory, the ones we haven't had a chance to see yet. And, and who knows? That might, that might still be a storyline. We haven't seen Austin Aries anywhere since then. So. Well, yeah, he's just pretty much gone. He's really just disappeared. Um, and who knows if he's going to resurface again. So, But I, I just... I felt like that whole story was phenomenal and it was something that took up a better part of the year and took up at least three promotions that we watch. So, yeah, that's a fair point. My number two was favorite feud of the year, which was Tomohiro Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki. Those guys kicked the living crap out of each other in four separate matches this year. And I, and I just absolutely loved I love three out of the four, and um, and I have their most recent one in my top five matches of the year. I just think they they put on a consistent quality and level of hatred and brutality that we haven't seen since it was Ishii versus um, Shibata. So I, I just absolutely loved that entire feud, and I had to have it in my top five, and it ended up being number two for me. The only reason why it didn't make my top five, I think it was eight on my list um, was because it was broken up. I mean, there was a little bit of time where Suzuki was fighting with Naito and there was a little bit of time where Ishii was going, uh, was fighting ZSJ. So it wasn't really Suzuki and, and Ishii. I mean, we had Suzuki Ishii at the beginning of the year. They took a break. We had him in the middle of the year. They took another break. Then we had him at the end of the year and, um, you know, for the European title. So, or the uh, rep pro title. So it just, that's the only reason why is because it didn't encompass a complete block of time. It was spread out too sporadically for me. But that's how NJP, NJPW does all their stuff. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, they, they, so, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to say that, then you could never really have an NJPW's feud as one of your feuds of the year. See, that's part of the problem. That's one of the few problems I have. But if you look at like Rainmaker Jay White or Okada Jay White, that was a good solid eight months throughout the year where it was a solid eight months. And the same thing with the Bullet Club, Cody and Kenny, that was a good solid six months throughout the year where it was nothing but those guys. Yeah, where, but a lot of that was on being the elite. A lot of it was not really on NJPW or it was on Ring of Honor. It wasn't just an NJPW story. No, and you know, you're right. Maybe I, I did put it a little bit uh, higher than it should have been uh, simply because I've been binge watching being the elite the last three weeks. So I've kind of gotten a, a kick in the face of it lately. <laughs> but Could be. So, so what we've ended up with here is Champa Gargano number one. I think we're both pretty okay with that. 
Um, number two, we have the Bullet Club Fracture. Yep. Because I it was my third and your second. Probably number three would have to be SCU. S- that's exactly right. Number three is SCU. And then we have to decide between the ones that we uh, – well, actually, Austin Aries would be number four because it was your highest um, that I didn't have. And then Ishii versus Suzuki would be number five. Right. You good with yeah. that? Yeah, I'm good with that. Me too. Because Ishii and Suzuki was like number seven. I mean, it was so close to making my top five. that, And I don't think you had Okada White anywhere on your list. No, I didn't. All right, so we've got 25 minutes left of live time, but the, we still have another you know, half an hour after that that we can keep on talking to people that are not listening on Christmas Eve, which is probably almost everybody. There's we'll probably be, we'll three be, we'll, people we'll listening. Listen. Speaking, of which, speaking of which, we need to um, shout out to Adam Cup. Um, oh. Was it Adam? What the, what's the guy's oh, name? Oh, oh the, guy, the guy that talked to us on Facebook? Yeah, and of course our buddy Ryan. Yeah. Um, Gave, they both gave us phenomenal matches to watch. And Ryan, or uh, which one? I'm who gave us the NJPW match? That was Adam. That was Adam. Okay, that match, I loved it. I'm so glad I watched it. But it was my third favorite Golden Lovers match of the year. Yeah, mine too. And that that was my reaction. That's what I, that's what I originally posted on Facebook. Um, <laughs> It was one of those matches where it was it was great to watch. I'm glad I watched it. The last 20 minutes of it was amazing. Oh, it was Andrew. Sorry, not Adam. Sorry, Andrew. Andrew, Andrew Cobb. Um, and he he gave. I got to go with my dog. So you keep you keep on talking about that. Andrew Cobb let us in on this, um, talking about how it was the best of, uh, best of the year. And he he got to us on Facebook, and it's easy to find us on Facebook. Just go to. Uh, um, search Kingdom of Honor. Uh, it's one of the first. Actually, I think it is the first search result. It's uh, a skull in front with a wearing a crown in front of a wrestling ring. So it's a uh, it's a pretty good thing. And Andrew, thanks for getting in touch with us. It was really uh, really great to hear from you. Great to talk wrestling with you. And I did love the match. Even though I love the match, I just to me it for a 35 minute match it took way too long. When you're looking at the guys that are in it took way too long to get going and then it just seemed like the last 10 minutes was phenomenal but it almost seemed like they packed a 35 minute match into 10 minutes I think if the match had been a little bit shorter it probably would have been higher on my list but as it stood because of the beginning it was probably the third best Golden Lovers match of the year yeah, and I and I agree. I mean, the the match did start off slowly. It was kind of a feeling out process, and that's fine. I mean, but it it does mean that it doesn't it didn't make my my top five. It, and it was yeah, definitely my third favorite Golden Lovers match of the year. Um, it probably would have been it might have been in my top fifteen maybe if I thought about it that much, you know, in depth. But, oh, take the of take team matches. It was in my top ten. It was I think it was I had it listed as eight in my top ten tag team matches of the year. So oh, it, was, it was a great match, um, and like Andrew said, thank you for uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention, and we appreciate anybody that does that. Feel free message us on Facebook. Um, our buddy Ryan messages us on Twitter all the time, um, and gives us matches to watch. And and because of him, I've he actually uh, my wrestlers of the year. I couldn't decide on five, so I went to ten, and because of him. 
I have I found my number ten wrestler of the year. So Brian, um, thanks for that. Uh, but it, the match itself, and I think we're probably going to go with tag team match of the year now. Yes. And I and I and I also wanted to say though before we move on there that uh, that Ryan um, Jeff and I were talking earlier um, off air before all the technical difficulties started and we have decided we're gonna we're gonna go back to covering NXT and probably the NXT UK so keep sending us those suggestions and I, and I will watch those along with Jeff. Well, and and I have no problem as much as I hate the main roster and the way they do things, I have no problem going and watching top matches that you find on there. Um, in fact, uh, Seth Rollins, Shinsuke was, was a good WWE match. That was, it was fun to watch. So, you know, keep sending any suggestions you've got either through Facebook or Twitter, and we'll definitely watch them and give you our thoughts. Yeah. And, and we will be watching um, Royal Rumble this year too. And that's just because in honor of my brother and not to support WWE, but because that's what I've always done and what I always used to do with my brother. So we've decided that we're going to get together at Jeff's house with the girls and some dominoes and build a fort and watch some Royal Rumble. Well, Susan's not going to watch. She already told me that. She's just going to throw things at us from the kitchen. But she's going to come over and hang out with Melissa, right? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping so. All right. Yeah, they don't have to actually watch. It's nice to hang out as a a, double date type of thing. Yeah, let us do our man things. They can do their female things, and life is good. Oh, let's not go there, dude. <laughs> we don't. We want them. We don't want them poisoning us while they're throwing food at us. I didn't say we were going to eat the food. <laughs> All right. So, tag team match of the year. Um, my number five is the main event of final battle: Young Bucks versus Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus the Briscoes in a tag team ladder war. Wow! Really? Yeah. That was my number five too. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a five-star match, but it was it as good a five-star match as the other ones on my list? I'm not sure. Um, and and uh, as as you pointed out, there wasn't as much storyline going into it as as you would have liked. I mean, there was there was some stuff between SCU and um, and the Bucks. There was some stuff between the Bucks and the Briscoes. There was some stuff between the Briscoes and, and SCU. But a lot of that had to do with Christopher Daniels and not Scorpio Sky. So it wasn't quite as emotionally. Um, invested in that as I as I was the other matches on the, that I have in my list, and that's that's the whole reason why it was that low on mine too. I mean, as far as the matches go, it was I had five five star matches. That was the fifth one, and like you said, there was no storyline involved. There was no. It wasn't. You didn't feel like it was the end of the like it was the end of a feud. You actually felt like it was the beginning of a feud simply because the Briscoes won it. I just felt like the wrong team won it. It wasn't a culmination of three or four or five months worth of buildup. It was just a match with three great teams giving it their all. And I enjoyed it, <laughs> but it, it wasn't higher than the other four on my list. Yeah. And the Briscoes ended up being the, the, the team that won it because they're the only team they're the only one out of those four guys that are staying with the promotion. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's that's the bottom line of it. Well, yeah, the rest of them are the elite. Right. Did you, did by the way, did you, I hate to get off topic because we don't have a whole ton of time here, but did you see the, how they pulled SCU into the ring when they were saying their farewells? I, no, I did not see that. Yeah, so I I think you're right. I think SCU is going with them to all elite wrestling. Right. Um, okay, so my number four is 
probably some is, is something that might end up being higher on my list um, later on down the road, just simply because of the fact that it may end up being more influential than I than I certainly think it is. And that, but that's um, the Golden Lovers taking on Ishii and Okada at Fighting Spirit Unleashed. That was my number one. Wow. Wow. I remember when we were watching it. I mean, because when when we were watching it, there was the questions of Ishii, is he the mole in chaos? Um, We were under the impression that chaos was turning heel. Um, Okada gave amazing heel work during that entire match. And the one line you said to me when it was over was how that's the type of wrestling that's going to change the world. Yeah. And I felt that throughout the whole match. So that, yeah, that was my number one. Yeah, and, and you know it was it was tough for me not to have it in my you know higher than it, higher than it is, but it was just simply that I felt the other matches, um, I guess had had higher stakes. I mean, I mean this one, like I said, it it re- to me watching it live, it redefined tag team wrestling because of the way that everything worked in it, and I right. did not get it. That's that's like one of the match. That's basically like the one match I wanted to rewatch. I did not get a chance to rewatch the last couple of days it was going to be my next one to watch tonight but i was cooking and uh doing other things and i just did not get a chance to go back and watch it tonight and and more's the pity because it, it might have been higher on my list had i had this chance but i'm comfortable with it being number being you know number four on my list number one on your list and for me the reason why it hit number one is not simply is it, it's like we were just saying with the scu uh ladder war match it it didn't check all the boxes. It wasn't the culmination of feuds. It didn't have a storyline leading up. But it was a perfect match. When you look at a tag team match, that is what I want all tag team matches to look like going forward. And because of that, I couldn't place anything else above it. Yeah. My number four was Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain from TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Ah, uh, and see, that was my number two. And for me, that match, while it wasn't the best of the series, you had me at their uh, match that they had on NXT TV, I felt was better than this. But the storyline, the fact that it was the culmination of the storyline, the fact that you really saw Taylor, uh, T- Tyler Bate kind of break out in that match, I, I just felt like that had to be a part of, part of this. And, well, it was your number two, so obviously you did too. Yeah, and I did feel it was, it was the best of, of the series. I thought felt it was the best tag team match in NXT this year, and that's and that's really saying something considering the year that they had. I mean, they had, there was that um, the triple threat at, at in New Orleans was not as good as I as I thought had thought it was. I mean, it was good, but it was not you know five star level good. Um, as you pointed out to me, that the you know the opening match in Chicago was awesome too with, with uh, Birch and whatever the fucking Oni Lorcan is taking on um, <laughs> Undisputed Era. And I said that I said that just because you mentioned to me the weird the guy I always make fun of his name, so I, I had to do it again. <laughs> and but I but I mean this match to me um, it had everything in it and, and I thought it encompassed their feud, which is why I thought it was it, I thought it took the best parts of their match on NXT TV and their best parts of their match on the NXT UK special and combined them. And I, and I felt the ending um, of the, that being the feud ender was just absolutely phenomenal. So that's why it's my number two match of the year. It very nearly snuck into number one for me. Well, the, the thing that I liked the most about it was the fact that 
Um, I'd been singing Tyler Bates' praises for years, and I was, I, and for you, it, to me, it was a lot like uh, Nick Aldis back when he was Brutus Magnus, where everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Why does he get this spot?" And it's like, just watch him, watch how fluid he is. He probably doesn't deserve the spot he's got, but he will someday because he is that good in the ring. And I thought this match was really out of the three matches. I felt like this. This one was the one where Tyler Bate really put on that performance where it was like, all right, let him go free. Let him do his thing. He's ready now. Yeah, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Um, number three for me, and you're probably going to be going to be think this should be higher, but it's golden lovers taking on the young bucks, a strong style evolved. That's my number three too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, um, I, <laughs> I, I, what can we say? Character work by Matt, a dream matchup. Um, you know the the feud going into it, the fact that it was the part of the Bullet Club split. It had storyline, it had performance, it had a good ending um, with Cody flipping out on the Bucks at the end of it, and Matt refusing to shake Kenny's hand. I just I felt like it was it was it had everything you want in a match of the year. Yeah, it, it absolutely did, and. I- to, to me, though, you know, rewatching it, it was still great, but there was also some stuff that um, it, it seems like it took a little bit while to, for it to get going. It seemed like there were there were some timing issues at the beginning of it. It seemed like they were just kind of trying to feel their way through it the first few minutes of the match, and that and that's perfectly fine. And there were some great spots later on. It just it just to me was not quite as good as my top two matches. It was still great, but but not quite as good as the, as the other two. Um, let's see. And you have, see, so you have your, I already talked about what my number two is. What was your number two? Oh, I know what it was. It was the young bucks versus, uh, Rapungi 3K. 3K, wasn't it? Yeah. That was yeah. the start of this. That was the start of the best year in wrestling I've seen in years, in decades. And that that performance by we talked about it earlier about how the young bucks were using ring psychology and it was it was such a refreshing change for them because I was so used to them being you know and we've talked about this before where I feel like Rapungi 3K has taken over the young bucks role as the curtain jerkers the spot fest the ones that are going to get the crowd going um, and that to me that match was kind of almost the passing of the torch for the Young Bucks to Rapungi 3K, where they were like, okay, you know, we're going to move up to the heavyweight division. You guys, you guys get our spot now. And the storytelling was phenomenal. I mean, Matt and his uh, bad back and the, the um, sharpshooters in the middle of it. And like I said, the whole ring psychology by the Bucks. I just, <laughs> I had a hard time not putting that as my number one. I just felt like Golden Lovers versus Okada and Ishii was better. Slightly better. Yeah, see, and, and I don't think I even had, I mean, I think I had like that match at like four and a half or maybe even four. I don't think I had it as, as in five star. I can't remember going back that far, honestly. But uh, I mean, to me, it, it was um, it was almost like the graduation of the Young Bucks, really, because I think that was their last, it was either their last match or the, or the next to last match that they wrestled as, as juniors. juniors. Yeah. And yeah. that's why, that's why I was saying it was the, it was their passing of the torch moment to the, to Rapungi 3K. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I, it was a great match. I, I just, um, 
I'm not as big a, on on Wakami Three K yet as as you are. Um, Damn, they almost made my breakout list. By the way, I'm just saying they were. I think they were like eight, maybe, on my breakout list. Well, the problem is that they they, they had such a long feud this year with uh, um, with uh, Suzuki. Kenimura. Yeah, Kenimur and uh, Desperado. That it was just Which, like, and and there was and they just got some kind of boring after a while. Let's let's put it this way: if your feud is not with Suzuki or ZSJ, your feud doesn't matter if it's with Suzuki Goon. What about Taichi and Goto? Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, I guess KES. You can have a feud with KES and still matter. And my number one, um, I think you already know this, Jeff, but it's the Young Bucks taking on Evil and Sonata at Dominion. Um, absolutely five-star match. And what, what I love so much about this was coming in, even though the Young Bucks were um, wrestling their first heavyweight tag team title match, Evil and Sonata really should have come in as the underdogs because the Bucks have been heavyweights everywhere other than New Japan for years. Since the dawn of it, time. Right, and and Evil and Sonata, even though they were on a even though they were on a roll, even they even though they are um, the tag team of the year, um, were yes, I did just say that um, were um, you know were coming in on a roll. You know they won the titles at Wrestle, at Wrestle Kingdom. They defended them a couple of times, even though they were the top tag team in the promotion. The Young Bucks are the top 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 tag team of all time. But what this did was almost immediately in the match made the young bucks into underdogs when when Jeff kicked the ring post and was wrestling basically at, you know, 50% the rest of the match. Did you that, call Nick Jackson Jeff again? Damn it. <laughs> Nick kicked the ring post and was wrestling about at about half uh about half uh power the the rest of the match. Not only so not only did it subvert that, but it also subverted the fact that Matt Jackson had been the one playing the 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 member of the Bucks that was hurt for most of the year. And this put Nick in that spot where Matt had, where he had to be fighting from underneath. And Matt was the guy that was the stronger of the two. Which Um, is why that's the one reason why this didn't make my list is because it was such a change from what we had been seeing for the entire year from the Bucks. And that's, and that's one reason why it made mine. So I, I just loved how subversive the whole thing was. And uh, and then they they went and then they went and a few days later had an, had an, an almost as good rematch. Yeah, that's true. I yeah, I can't deny that. So, all right, what do we got for a list on this one? Well, we have Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks was both was both of our number three, and Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed was your four and my two, and Golden Lovers versus CCE was my four in year one. So really Golden Lovers versus Ishii and Okada six at number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah. And, then and, then, probably, and then probably and then probably by the virtue of the fact that, that it was my number two and your number four, when we both had young, Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks three would be Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era's number two. Yep. And then Bucks Golden Lovers because we already agreed that was number three. Right. And then probably well, then that then final battle the final battle tag would be in yeah it would have to be four. number four it's the only yeah. one, other one we both have on the same list exactly and then Young versus Evil Sonata by virtue of being higher on my list than on yours beats out Young <sighs> versus RPG three K 
That's tough, though, because that's oh, that was such a good match. <laughs> oh, such a good match. Ring psychology, the kickoff of the wrestler of the year. I, oh, that hurts to let that one go. Yeah, well, you'll get over mm-hmm. it. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> anyway, as long as we did take team match of the year, we might as well do take team of the year now. Well, I already told you what my number one is. So. Yeah, I heard. And I think my number one and number two are your number one and number two just flip-flopped. Could be. But I got number five. I got SCU. Number five, I have LAX. Oof. They had LAX or LAX. OGs? Nope, LAX. Really? They had, they had an outstanding year in Impact. Um, and, you know, I, I really love Ortiz. I think he's going to be a phenomenal star in this business. We and thought I, that and about I, Hernandez, though, too. And, well, and, and I, I, just loved, I just loved their work all year. I was a big fan of LAX this year. Okay, I can. SEU, I just can't put in that category because you know when you say SEU, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Kazarian and Daniels? Are you talking about Kazarian and um, Sky? Are you talking about Sky and Daniels? I mean, you know what I mean? That's why so many combinations. That's why I put them at number five is simply because it's the Freebird rules. It doesn't matter the combination; they're still putting on. You got Frankie Kazarian regardless. So it to me it worked, but SCU is my number five. What do you got in number four? Uh, number four, I just sorry, sorry, I'm still writing the list from last from the last uh, category. So oh well, finish that off. Hang on. Good lord, write faster. Buy a keyboard. Uh, I'm using my I'm I'm using both my computer and my tablet for other things right now. So shut the fuck up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> number four is the Young Bucks. Oh, ow! Yeah, number right. four. You know, you know, they, they've had a they had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but they did take off the last couple of months of the year. Um, you know, I wasn't I I wasn't a big fan of their of their battles with the Briscoes. Um, they're they kind of been off and on a lot of the year, and I, and yeah, I know they were doing other things as well. But yeah, as far as actually tag team work in the ring, I have the Young Bucks as number four. See, and I've got them at number one. Well, it's because you're not thinking clearly. Or it could be the fact that they were in three of my top five matches of the year. Yeah, it could be. You know, my number four was, it's still the Young Bucks. It's still, and this year they've done two things that they've never done before when they have been tag team of the year, is they've developed ring psychology. Matt has sold that back injury now for, what, 12 months well, that's, and, why, that's why he's the wrestler of the year. Well, yeah. But, you know, it, it just, they moved up a class. They put on classics with Sonata and Evil, Golden Lovers. You know, they've just been on fire this entire year. I, I, I can't. And I see we're not going to uh, be on for the end of this, but <laughs> are you even still there? I'm still here, yeah. We'll, we'll, right. still be, we'll still be on. It's just that. People will have to wait till it's done recording to to hear the our rest of the year and matches of the year. That's all. Oh well, yeah, that's fine. And I uh, guess the rest of the tag team stuff too. So I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know that you can see anybody better than the Young Bucks. I just don't. To have them at number four, that hurts a little. My number four was the Briscoes. See, and they're and they're my number three. That makes sense. And I think they, I, I think they, they they were excellent and they held their ROH World Tag Team titles almost the entire year. 
you know, it, it's yeah. See, see, I see. I put I put title reigns and 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 wins into into a higher category than you do. That's that's why the Bucks are lower for me than they are for you. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks outside of the um, heavyweight title in New Japan haven't held a title this year. Right. Well, in the six man. Well, 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 they held the uh, they held the uh, <clears throat> junior heavyweight junior heavyweight tag titles. What four days of the year, right? Yeah, and they lost that right away, but. I, I mean, I can. The Briscoes to me had a great year, slightly better than SCU, but I just didn't think that they were any different than they always are. Where the other the other tag teams to me, I felt like grew throughout the year. I feel I feel completely different than that. I, I feel like the Briscoes um, were more vicious things this year than we've seen them in in several years at least. But so in several in several years. Not more vicious than they've ever been before. Well, actually, maybe more vicious than they've ever been before. Even it seems like they get they're so. getting they're getting like bitter, more bitter, more you know, stronger, um, more vicious now than than they have been in years past. Yeah, I, I really do think so. And the only the the thing that really drew me back is I think we've seen more out of Mark Briscoe in the past than we have this year. I didn't think Mark Briscoe was his normal character. Where Jay has always been that kick-ass, you know, just destroy everybody type of guy, Mark has always kind of been that fun-loving guy. And Mark has taken on more of that kick-ass role, too, now. And now you have two people playing the same role, where before you had that yin and yang character work out of the two of them. Yeah, that's true, too. Who was your number three? My number three was Undisputed Era. Okay, so this would be O'Reilly and Strong, then? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're Bobby my number Fish. and they're my number two. Bobby Fish wasn't around long enough for it to be anybody to be part of it. Right. I think he got hurt what second month in the year? Yeah, something like that. Second or third, I think. So all right, so so they're and, and you know and, and you know, I mean we we could t- certainly debate this, but I mean they basically they did not have a tag team match this year that was not great. Exactly. Everybody they went against, every match they had, no matter who it was, they put on a great show. Right. And the only reason they're not number three is because of the strides the Young Bucks made and fucking evil and Sonata. Seriously. You know what? I must have missed something. Who was your number five? Did we ever talk about your number five? I see you. Oh, that's right. Okay. I just yeah. forgot to write them down. All right. I mean, right. And, just... and you have evil and Sonata as your number two? Yep. Okay. And the Bucks, of course, is number one. Right. Yeah, I had that already. So I have Evil Sonata as number two. You them you are number one. You have them as number two. So they're number one. Yeah, they're number one. And and, and you know they they just had a great year. And and as much as I want those two to break out as single stars, especially Sonata, I don't um, want them to break up. Yeah, they're exactly. So good together. They are. They're they're actually fantastic together. Except for when they're against fucking God. Oh my God, that was a terrible match. It could have, it, oh, it just made me sad. I don't want to think about that. All right, so we got, we've got Evil and Sonata, number one. Undisputed Era, number two. Um, no, Undisputed Era's not going to be number two. There were, there were five on your list, and they didn't make my list. So. There were three on my list. Oh, Undisputed Era. I'm sorry. I, th- I was thinking SCU for some reason. All right, so hang on a second. Let me, let me get this written down here. Evil Sonata, number one. Undisputed Era, number two. Undisputed Era number two. Bucks at three. 
Or Briscoe's at three. You had uh, Briscoe's at one, didn't you? No, I Briscoe's at at three. So yeah, okay. Bucks are yeah. So Bucks are number three. Three, and then Briscoe's at four. Briscoe's at four. And, and, then we, and, then, and, then, and then it's LAX or uh, SCU. I see your point with SCU and the fact that you don't know who to contend with, but I just didn't see enough at LAX to put them in my list. The only thing I saw was their feud against the OGs. See, and I feel like SCU... Hmm. I, mean, I, feel SCU... Like, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like the team of Kazarian and... Kazarian, wait, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, I should say, had a great match at All In, and they were fantastic at the final battle triple threat. They were good in the triple threat when they won it. And they were good in the triple threat when they won it. And I, and I thought, uh, and then, uh, you know, with uh, Daniels and Kazarian, the only thing I really remember that from them this year was that match at Death Before Dishonor, which was also a really, which is a good match, but that I have you know major problems with. So we'll, we'll go. S- we'll, go thing, S- we'll go. We'll go SCU. Are you, wait, hold on. Let me let me think about this for a second because LAX had some phenomenal work in their street fights against the OGs. Right. But the only thing that I really saw out of them was against the OGs. So I, I I think I've seen a bigger body of work out of SCU, so I'm going to actually go with you on this one. I haven't seen enough of LAX to really say one way or the other. Yeah, I, th- I, think, we, I think we'll have to go with SCU just because, like you said, they have, a better, they have a better body of work. All right. Sounds good. All right. So, again, the list is Evil Sonata number one, Undisputed Era number two, Young Bucks number three, Briscoe's number four, and SU number five. Yep, I'm good with that. All right, so now we are on to singles matches of the year. Oof. You're going to hate me for this list. Maybe. Go with your number five. Well, first I want to tell you the one match, the match that did not make my number, my, my top five. Just because, And basically on, as far as match quality, it probably should have. But just because I wasn't as emotionally invested as I was in the guys in number five, it did not quite make my list. And that's Hiromu Takahashi. And that's a – no, I'm sorry. It's, it's Kota Ibushi taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi in the finals of the G1. It was an absolutely fantastic match. I think I had like, I had like five and a half. But because I'm not as emotionally invested in either of those guys as I am in Hiromu Takahashi, the – the final of the best of the super juniors takes number five for me. That's Takahashi taking on Taiji Ishimori. Absolutely phenomenal junior match. And I guess you, See, and, and, and I guess, and I, I'm guessing you never even saw that one, Jeff. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't. But the one match that I had number six that I just missed out on the top five for the, much the same reasons was Takahashi versus uh, Osprey. When Takahashi won the ma- won the title, uh, Dominion. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought that was a phenomenal match, but at the time, and I I still have issues with Osprey off and on, which is why he really didn't even make. I don't think he made my top ten, um, just because he 
he's so well, hit he's, and, in, he's, 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 he's in transition right now. But he's so hit and miss. Even when he was Saul Leah Jr., he's just hit and miss for me. It's like one match he'll put on phenomenal greatness. Haven't seen anything better than that. And the next match, it's like, dude, what are you doing? I just he he's hit and miss for me. So that's that's the one thing that because I I can't get invested in him like I can like you said other people on the on the list. My number five was ZSJ versus Jonathan Gresham at Final Battle. And that was a great match. That was that was, would have been in my top ten, but I I just could not have it on. I just I just could not get it to my top five. I think the fact that it was so surprising, and we both had so such low hopes for it, and they came out and impressed us, is what pushed it up to my top five. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I had so many, so many matches on my match of the year that um, this top five was one of the hardest things I've ever done, and maybe I did. Um, rated a little bit higher than I should have. I, mean, I had, um, I actually had Takahashi and Osprey in that spot until I saw my number four match. So, well, well you know, um, the the great thing about Gresham versus ESJ is not only did it, not only did it surprise us, not only was it really fun and entertaining, but it's it's a twelve minute five star match. So. If you want right. to watch a great match and only have you know less than a quarter of an hour to do it in, that's the one you want to watch. Which is the whole reason why, as much as I love that Kenny Omega um, Okada match from Dominion, I can't have that as my match of the year, just because it was so much time invested. Gotcha. So my number four is Tomohiro Ishii taking on Minoru Suzuki at Power Struggle. I already talked about how much I love that feud and, and that match I thought was going to be in my top three, but then we, we decided to include NXT when I, when I wasn't sure about doing that. So ended up dropping to number four for me. That um, one actually. And, 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 and it was such, so brutal, such a great match. And, and it reminded me so much of the Okada versus Ishii, I mean, uh, Ishii versus Shibata matches. And I just, I, I love it so much. See, and that match for me, wasn't even on my radar, but that pairing for me had a number seven match on my list, and that was their um, Rev Pro title match that they had, the surprise match that was supposed to be Osprey versus uh, um, Izuka. When was Osprey, that? Was that Osprey versus Tai Chi? You mean Tai Chi? Yeah. Yeah, that's the Power Struggle one. That's exactly the same one I'm talking. No, is it? Yeah, yeah. That was for the Rev Pro, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That that ended up as number seven for me. Okay. I thought it was a phenomenal match. Um, one of the best I've I've seen from Ishii in years, which is saying something because of all the stuff he had against Omega and everybody else. But I just I couldn't buy into it as much as the top five I had. My number four was Pete Dunne versus Ricochet from NXT. Um, their match in September. Uh, the match itself was five star instant classic the only thing that and I can see your point about not having a winner but I think you put too much emphasis on wins and losses than I do it's a pro wrestling match there should be a a winner and there should be a loser unless it fits the story and this fit the story so well 
and they no, have it, such it, a, no, it, no, it fit, if it, if it traditional WWE booking so well. Well, if it their story against uh, undisputed era so well, but I mean, even if you let, let's just forget the last thirty five seconds of the match. Can't. Uh, for five seconds, forget it. <laughs> no, can't do it. The, the match itself was just amazing, straight up, just amazing. It was really good, but but I but I can't um, unless it, unless it's actually like a draw where they go to where they go to a time limit draw. I cannot see having a match where you know it goes into a schmoz because because they're getting attacked by a faction as one of my top five matches of the year. It just it just it, it's I mean it would it would be like including AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan from SmackDown in my match of the year list. Can't do it. <sighs> See, I don't know. A thirty minute or it was a twenty five minute match. It just doesn't matter the, the time. The performance that those two put on in it was top notch. I it was to me. I, I I have not seen much. Well, I've seen three better matches this year. So, I mean, I get your point with the non finisher, and that was the one thing that was kept me kind of itching about keep it, getting this in my top five to begin with, but. It, just what they did from the opening bell until that horrible finish was so good and such a good story. And the fact that, I mean, one of our favorite wrestlers is, is Zack Sabre Jr. Pete Dunne reminded me so much of Zack Sabre Jr. and the way he attacked body parts. And and I, I it got me the whole match. I'm sitting there thinking, God, I would just love to see Pete Dunne versus Zack Sabre Jr., just I just want to see those two wrestle. Unfortunately, I, I, I think I think you're just suffering from recency bias with this one. It's a possibility because I, I I mean I just saw this match last night and it literally it took me I I was literally sitting on my couch going wow what wow so it, it's a possibility maybe if I watched it again in three months I wouldn't like it as much but as of right now that's my number four match of the year. All right, so number three for me is Cody Rhodes taking on Nick Aldis at NWA 70. Um, I, I talked about it at the time, how, it, how it, it was one of my favorite matches, and, I, and I, it was going to be in my top three, and it's, and it's managed to stay there um, all the rest of the year. It just, I love every bit of that match. I, I know Jeff does not like the second fall especially, um, but, you know, I, you know, the popcorn spot you were talking about, I mean <laughs> – he he grabs the cup. He fill, he just scoops it into popcorn and throws it in the face of Aldis. It's not like he's like it's not like he's sitting there with a scooper like scooping it in there. And, 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 I mean it's very fast. Well, and, no, and, 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 you, no. Know, you know that, that that whole brawl the whole brawl is is awesome. The first fall, which is just a straight classic wrestling match, is awesome. And then that third fall, which is um, which is you know basically it's a tribute to a lot of a lot of wrestlers and matches, is awesome as well. And and the finish of it. With with all this just barely squeaking one over Cody Rhodes is amazing. Is amazing. The the finish of the first fall with Cody knowing he has the advantage and so tapping out so that he doesn't lose it is amazing. And the way that that second fall starts with all this using Cody's anxiousness against him, phenomenal. I just love that match. I think I think what threw me out of it was a second fall to literally to the point where, and it it wasn't a popcorn spot. It was a soda spot. And he, he had to, they didn't have, 
whoever was in the concession stand didn't have their cup ready. So he had to grab a cup, put it under the spigot, pour his own soda into the cup before he hit all this in the face. That's what drew me out of it. Um, I, I agree with you. The first match and the, and the psychology with the tapping quick was great. The, set, the final fall with the um, callbacks and the, and the Eddie Guerrero type finish, I thought was phenomenal. I just when I look at the the two matches they had, I still think they're all in matches better. And that's that you know that's just me. Um, my number three match was uh, Omega versus Okada from Dominion. Wow, we finally have one. On the, we finally have a match on this. Um, one match on here the same. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's probably higher up for you, obviously, because it's my three and you haven't gotten your two and one yet. But um, it's, it's, just, my number, it's, it's my number one. I think the only reason that it kept me from the only reason it wasn't higher for me was because of the length. I The storyline. That's, what, that's I, what she said. Yeah, yeah, she says it all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Susan I said that. Uh, <laughs> The storyline and everything going into it was was great. Um, I loved every part of it. It's just the length of it is where I got turned off on that. But it tells such an amazing story. Oh, it does. I, I mean, mean, I mean, it, it, I mean, it encompasses their entire feud. Um, you know, the, the ending of the first fall. You know, you feel the same despair Omega's feeling because oh, it did. It didn't even take the uh, the rainmaker for him for him to lose a fall. It, it took just a just a simple roll up, and and you know it's it's kind of like you know you're feeling it along with with Omega, but at the same time you're feeling the invisibility of Okada when he's showing that at the beginning of that second fall, and you know you just you just roll through all the emotions in in that match. You know I, I watched like I said I watched it again just yesterday and and. It does not feel like you're watching it for an hour and four minutes. It certainly does not. I mean, it, it, it feels it like you're watching when it for you have like children. Half, it feels like you're, like you're watching it for like half an hour. And no, you know, it feels like it, four hours when you have kids interrupting you. Well, don't let kids interrupt you. Well, they have needs and like food and attention and. And you have ropes. So. <laughs> good point. It's a good point. Anyway, um, it's it's absolutely an, an outstanding match, and and yeah, I mean you cannot watch it at the same length of time you can, um, you know you know. Um, anything I guess, I guess, else? Any anything else on, on on my list or anything else in general other than like maybe a Royal Rumble, but but the fact is that my number three and my number two match are not that much shorter than it either. You know, Cody versus Aldis is like forty two minutes, and um, my number two match is like 47 minutes. So, I mean, it's not like it's that much longer than, than you see in, you know, other main events or, or other big matches. It's, you know, it's, yeah, 20 minutes is a lot of time, but it's not super, it's not like a super amount of time either. So, I mean, I, I, I do think there's something to be said about, you know, for the time of a match, but I think with the way this one, with, with the story, this one tells, you know, what was at stake, um, and and the story that I completed that's been, that I've been going for a year and a half, I think this is not only my match of the year, but I I still feel it's the greatest match of all time. And and the last time I felt that we also involved Okada, and that was Okada taking on Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom Seven. So I mean, it, it, 
I, I'm just I'm just right there as as it's the greatest match I've ever seen. Well, and where I can't disagree that it's probably the greatest match of all time. As far as my personal feelings, and that's why I'm glad that we decided to take this match of the year and turn it and not make it match of the year. Because if we had, this would easily be my match of the year. But there were so many other things that went into it that I just couldn't have it as my favorite match of the year. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, if if we had just gone match of the year, this would have been both our number ones, because it, it really was the match of the year. It was pro- it, it's very close to my favorite match of all time, um, and it clearly is your favorite match of all time. So it, it's while it has its merits, it just isn't my personal favorite match of the year. We've got like ten minutes left to show, dude. <laughs> oh shit, we got to move this along. We do. My number two is Gargano versus Ciampa from TakeOver New Orleans. My number two is Skrull versus Osprey, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Oh, man. You had to you had to get Skrull on there somewhere, didn't you? Well, I got him on here twice, dude. He's my number one, too. Oh. <sighs> Skrull versus Osprey. That, that, was a, that was a really good match. Um, it, it was my favorite match of the year until I went back and watched more. Watched these top two again. All right, so then I'm guessing number one is Skrull versus, versus Okada. Yep, from all in. Yeah. All right, so, and, and you know, I, I thought that, that was a great match, and I, and I was really into it in the moment. I just not I just don't even know, know for sure it was the best match on that entire card, much less my, you know, my much less my favorite match of the year. And so. we said it at the time. It was my, it was the match of the night. It was my, it's been my match of the year since it happened, the, until Fighting Spirit Unleashed and that Skrull Osprey. But when I watched the two back to back, that was easily my number one of the year. All right. So, unfortunately, what this means is that Omega versus Okada is number one. Yep. Skrull versus Okada is number two. <laughs> that pisses me off so much. You have no idea. Did we have any matching on this? Uh, the only one that we both had on the same list was Omega versus Okada. Thanks, so Okada so number so Okada's in the first and second spots. Yep. Um, number three. Well, wait, wait, what was my number two? Oh yeah. So my number two was Chopper versus Gargano, and that and that's going to be the number three. Yeah, and I can't argue with that. That was hit and miss for me. So then, Skrull versus Osprey is number four. Um. Yep. And then number five will end up being Rhodes versus Aldis. Well, I'm not going to disagree. All even though I don't think that was my favorite Rhodes versus Aldis match, but yeah, but at, least, at least your boy Skrull is in is in two of the top four matches, so you can't really yeah. argue. No, I can't. All right. So and we and we got Cody in the top five, and that's that's probably pretty cool for you too. So yeah, Cody versus Aldis, and then quickly. <laughs> Sadly, we have to go quickly through this because of the stupid fucking bullshit Skype. But um, wrestler of the year, I'm just going to go quickly through mine, if you don't mind, Jeff. I'll go, and then you can That's do yours. Number five, I have Tomohiro Ishii. Number four, I have the Belt Collector. Number three, I have Zack Saber Jr. Number two, I have Kenny Omega. 
and number one, I have Matt Jackson. Um, I'm, I'm just going to talk about Saber really quick, just because we haven't really mentioned him much on here. But with the year he had, the phenomenal, you know, the phenomenal matches against Ishii, against Naito, against Okada, um, he, you know, he he won the New Japan Cup. He and then he uh, he was tied for number one in the G1. B block and also just his character work throughout the year. I just had to have him in my top three. I'm gonna, I he's my he's my number four. Okay. So and, you know, and Matt and Kenny obviously one and two. I mean, we share yeah. the same. I got Ishii at three and Cody at five. Um, obviously, Aries should make your list. Well, and that's what I was saying. Aries was originally my number three. Until I went back and started watching a lot of the a lot of the stuff again, um, I've got Aries at six. Um, I've got Okada at seven, Champa at eight, and Skrull at nine, and Seth Rollins at number ten. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. See, I wasn't not going to have a main WWE main roster on my list, so it it was tough for me to decide that. But when I looked at the year he's had with the with the um, Intercontinental title, his gauntlet match, everything he's done, it was hard to not include him in at least my top ten. Cody was your number five, right? Cody was five, yeah. All right, so that means the list that we end up with, and I think you'll be okay with this, is is Matt Jackson number one. Yep. And I want and I want to say that I don't have him in there just for his in ring stuff, but also because of everything involving all in. And all of that, I feel like he was the driving force behind that. I feel like you know, he was fantastic in the ring. Um, he just it was awesome all year and everything to me. And see, I just um, looked at his wrestling acumen. I didn't take, a, I take into account any of the other stuff. Just what he's done throughout this year was phenomenal. Right. Number two, Kenny Omega. Yep. Number three, Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. Number four, Ishii. All and right. number five is going to end up being Austin Aries. Oof. Ahead of Cody? Well, because I had him number four, and you had Cody number five. So, uh, And I did have Austin Aries at six. So You did. But still, Cody, come on. The year he had? Yeah, you think he had a better year than I did, though. So <laughs> We can have a tie. We can have Austin and Cody tied at number five. All right. I'm okay with that. Let's do that. All right. Sounds good. All right. So... Um, Thanks, everybody. Um, this did go long. I kind of expected it to go long, but I didn't know we were going to rush at the very end here. So, Well, and we also lost that first half hour, too. We did. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays to those of you who don't celebrate Christmas. If you don't celebrate anything, then happy 25th of December. I don't care. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next Monday to preview Wrestle Kingdom. Um, on the third, we'll, there will be the official pre-show um, on the Perfect Ten Wrestling Podcast with Sir Sam and um, the implications. And then we'll be back, and then we will be here the Saturday after Wrestle Kingdom to, to completely review that show. And we will Stay, be really, really tired. We'll be tired, and we'll, we'll plan on going the full three hours. So, so don't plan on that being a short show whatsoever. Um, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. Listen to all the other shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. And this is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying goodbye. <laughs>